Welcome to episode nine of By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. My name is Matt. I'm your host here this week and every week for that matter. Last time here on the show, the show started with Mike Skyros here. We get attacked by my cat. That's not happening this time. Tinkerbell is much better behaved and hopefully not tipping over the water fountain that's behind me. This this episode's guests. Uh, it's going to be a long one, so get settled in. I have two of my oldest friends, not just in wrestling, but in life in general. Uh, Brad DeMeo, Eric Pitt, at the Diamond City War Machines. How you guys doing? I'm doing good, Matty G. Yeah, man, good, happy to be here. I'm glad to have you guys. So we're going to be talking about a 16-year stretch of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I hope you all got coffee and food ready for this one. We're going to talk for a long time. Um, these things always hit the air on CKCC Radio, Monday mornings, 9 o'clock. So hopefully you have your coffee ready and you are relaxing your first work day of 2021 and leaving 2020 behind. Happy New Year to everybody listening. Yes. Before we get started... This is also the first episode that we're recording here on CKCC Radio um, after the passing of Brody Lee. And Brody will be coming up a little bit later in the show when we discuss some matches, or well, one match in particular that I worked with Brad. Yeah. Uh, but when we recorded the last episode of the A Show, when we had Pete DeLong and George Gatton on, uh, Brody had not passed yet. It was the, It was before Christmas. So, so it's been a little while since we've recorded, so we'd be remiss in not speaking of Brody here very quickly, at the very least. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get more more in depth with uh, with the big rig later on. Absolutely, and it, it is a shock to everybody, and everything that you've read and heard on the internet is true, and then some, about John yeah. Huber. Yeah, yeah, man. I've been reading about him on Twitter for the last four days, five days, something like that. And it's wild. Like, I'll go like a half hour clip at a time, and I have not read a single bad word. Not one. Think about that. This is incredible in the sport that we're in that no one can say. No one has any bad stories about that man. And it just kind of goes to show kind of character he always had and the way he always handled himself. Going to be both, severely, severely missed by this community. Absolutely, and both in and out of the ring, he was that person. So you will be missed, Brody. I know I hadn't seen him, God, probably like thirteen years, uh, because he was coming into Chikara as I was leaving Chikara. That's fair. And then at Pride of Wrestling, which we'll get to in a little bit, he had actually teamed with Vaughn, which is. Wild to think about. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was him, Vaughn, and Tuck were like a a, a stable or they're like kind of team. It was so weird. We'll and that's not that's not a knock on Mike or Tuck. It's just like to think of that dynamic. Yeah, for sure. Um, and 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 we'll we'll definitely speak of Brody in a little bit. Um, also, before we get started. If you are a new subscriber to independentwrestling.tv, use the code word NUMBERS, that's N-U-M-B-E-R-S, and get five free days when you sign up as a new user. Look at you shilling. Bless hey, your soul. Do what I gotta do. I'm afraid. 
And, and what I got to do now is get us started on the road from 2014 to today. It's funny that I talk about being on the road because we almost weren't on the road on this day. <laughs> but but we'll touch on that momentarily because first, Brad has his debut in the book, match number three. It's my first night refereeing. At that time, Bruno, I don't even know if you're Bruno DeMeo yet or just Bruno. Me and Bates and Bruno, hardcore mafia Bruno. And you took on Matt Turner. This is at GBW, Hanover, Pennsylvania, September 18th, 2004. That's silly. So at this point, me and Joey were still teaming, kind of. Turner only has like two years in the business. And honestly, we talked about this. You might not remember or whatnot. I worked Turner more times than I can remember, and I forgot this match happened. And I'm going to blame him for hitting me in the head too hard because I don't – I remember the drive down. Cause I remember – I think you guys followed us down because we had been to Hanover before. Maybe your car had it. I don't remember, but it was just like a wacky GBW Hanover trip. That was always a ton of fun. They were a real good crew down there, and I knew them from when they'd come up to the zoo and work VWA, and I was still yeah. ring announcing at that point. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get hooked up with those guys. So I know that building house, like, uh, another promotion down that way. When we were, when I was, you know, broken with Glitter in 2002, like right before Eric got in. We went from Otto Stark <laughs> down yes. in that building before. And maybe it was, that's how we met maybe JT and those guys. For, I guess yeah. what that was. Because they were working World Star as well, JT yeah. and that at least a part of that crew, like Simon Rhyme, those guys. They were working for World Star, and that's how we met them. And then they came up to VWA, and then we were going to GBW. I remember this match specifically because it was your first match with Turner since the match at World Star. That was so well received. Uh, yeah. So- I think the match, that match that you're talking about, the ones that were all received was like back. Like we did the one thing in the fire hall in, uh. Yes. Yeah. And then we did the next, the next week, maybe the next month, we did it in music. And, uh, both matches were like super hyped up. The first one was amazing. I still have a bunch of good pictures from that match. But the second one, we were only like two minutes. And Drew gave me, uh, Drew Turner gave me a, an arm drag. It just held on a little bit too long and blew my shoulder right out of the socket. And I remember I was, I was only in the business for like a couple of years at that point, and I was just like, oh, I can just shake this off. Let's keep going. I ended up gigging. I bled in that match. And I, my shoulder was just dangling out of the socket. I remember coming to the back, and like the, uh, the, the paramedics who like were in that building were like, oh my God, we had to clean up your blood. And I'm like, my shoulder is out of the socket. Can someone please put it back in for me? They're like, what? No, no I'm fine. Just pop my shoulder back in. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that we followed you down to Hanover because we definitely did not. And that's, that's going to be that's a really- different trip. And, and, and here's why we didn't follow you down that day. Because it was match number four in the book, Ring Crew, of Ring Crew 1 and Ring Crew 2 with Ring Crew Mask against Core in a handicap match, but we almost didn't make it. 
So this was that trip where the van caught on fire, right? Yes. Okay. So before we get to the match, I have to tell this story because it's wonderful. So the van catches on fire. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And when you're sitting in the passenger seat and the hood is up on the van, there's that little like four inch space you can see through. So imagine staring through and seeing flames coming up from the motor and watching two of your friends try to blow it out. Like literally <laughs> blowing on it. Blow it with their mouths. <laughs> imagine that. Okay. <laughs> That's the only story I want to tell from that strip or from that trip, uh, from the actual drive. But just think about that. Like imagine sitting there and watching people trying to blow an oil fire out. <laughs> I'll leave the name. I'll leave the names out. <laughs> and this after Strasser had tried to pour the oil in without a funnel. Yeah, so oh that was God. that was wild. I just I remember yeah. turning around and looking at everybody else in the van, and I'm like, "We need to get out." And they're like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because the van's on fire." <laughs> who else was in the van? It was, it was you. It was you, Strasser, Kev. Who else was in the van? Jerry. Gary was in the van, I believe. I think uh, Shane Storm was in the van. I think. Maybe. There were more people in this van. and I, I only just recently listened back to one of the episodes that I had done back when we had podcast in Pennsylvania with uh, the Camp Evers reunion. And Kev told the story from his perspective. <laughs> and in the van was myself, Eric, Kev, Strasser, Strasser's brother, Jerry... Jerry's girlfriend at the time and Shane Storm in a Dodge minivan. Frig. <laughs> the yeah, my car were... had to be loaded then too. Not my car. Joey's car had to be loaded up too then. We wouldn't have gotten oh, down no. with no one else in our car. Oh no, no, you guys left way earlier. <laughs> that was that, yeah, that was me. That yeah, that's what's yeah. Speaking of Jerry, was this also the trip where he went to give someone a high five when we were leaving the restaurant and slapped their hand into Greg Skipper's mom's face? It may have been. I don't remember that. Yes, that definitely That's happened. Hilarious. He didn't mean to do it. He just wanted to give somebody a high five, and he swatted it so hard that her hand flew, the hand flew back in the dude's mom's face. It was something. I'll never forget Jerry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Jerry that did this. Oh, I, if it happened, I guarantee it was Jerry. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, that's, that's, sure. That's, that's a Jerry thing. <laughs> So, so the next time we work together is a lot closer to home. We are in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. Um, all of our debut, I believe, for EGW. It was December 10th, 2004, match number 22 in the book. Joe T couldn't make it, so Brad had to team with Cross Van Tassel to take on the ring crew with Steve Barber at ringside. So, this with, a, with another ride down story. It also involves Kevin Van. Uh, yeah, so, as it became prevalent in this time period, Joe T was not, like, not wanting to get on the business, but was just always busy, could never, like, commit to doing shows, so I was kind of like, and this was actually the first time I had got booked for EGW, and it was just like, oh yeah, Jesse and crew, they remember you and Joey from Worldstar, come on down with Kevin Eric, you guys can work each other. Alright, cool, no big deal. Joe T has to pull out for whatever reason, probably work. So I'm like, I don't want to drive down alone because it's like, it's a, you know, it's gonna suck. So I hook up with Kev and with with Eric. Kev's like, yeah, I think we've been at Sheets. 
actually the season works there. And I'm like, all right, well, where, where should I sit? Where's your van? And he points to the, the it was a blue van. And I'm like, all right, cool. I go to get in the back, and there's no seats in the back. And I'm like, is this, this is a rib, right? Because uh, Kev, Kev's dad just used it to deliver papers. So, like, the entire back of the van was just empty. So, like, it's our gear bags, and I'm just sitting back there, like, trying to hold on whatever I can as Kev wildly drives on 81. <laughs> I don't remember this. Oh, I remember this vividly. Well, yeah, you should. Because it's Kev, and Kev's a wild man when he gets to drive that van. There's no seats in the back. I can't even, like, put a seatbelt down there. I probably could have put a seatbelt, like, around my arm and, like, Kevin myself to the van itself, but... Yeah, and then we get there, and I think that was Cross's debut for EGW as well. Yes. I think he hadn't been there yet, and they were using him for the first time. And um, I was like, oh, we're going to bring Tina for Cross. I'm like, all right, cool, that, that works for me. And I remember at the time, I'm sure Nate's going to get hot at me for saying this, but he was a vampire back then. He was a vampire. And he he's like, well, I'm a daywalker. I'm like, so you're Blade? And I remember he gave me, like, the worst death stare ever. And I'm like, oh, am I going to team with this guy? Great. <laughs> so me and Nate have become great friends over the years. But that night, we were calling the match in the back. And I was like, all right, we'll do all this stuff. We're going to come in here. Uh, all right, man, you're, you're going to take all of their back break offense. He's like, what? I'm like, they got all of offense. You're taking all of it. I made him take all of your offense. I'm like, I'm going to take any of that tonight. It's all you. Enjoy. I wonder if this match is on video anywhere. I know I have pictures from it. Um, I believe the pictures were from Corey Preston. Yeah, and uh, and Tony Perro were in the crowd. Yeah, and yeah, pretty sure, yeah. I think that's where I got the pictures from. But that was also, to as best of my knowledge, that was also the last time me and Kev tagged. Yeah, the best of my knowledge. Can you verify that? I can't, but I'm pretty sure that was the last time. I remember when I uploaded one of the pictures um, one time many, many years ago, I, 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 like, I actually typed this was the last match for the ring crew. I remember typing it. It's weird that I remember that, but I don't think we teamed again after that. If it wasn't the last match, it had to be looking at Matt's list here. There might be one more, it looks like, after that. But yeah. I, I remember that match being a little bit very fun. I remember I did take some of the stuff. Like I think I, I think I took the – no, I didn't take the pin. You hit me with the almost got him with it, and I just rolled it to let Nate take the pin. <laughs> Whatever it could have been. My memory of this match is that I had taken a choke slam earlier the night. Because <laughs> wrestling. Because wrestling, and, yeah. And I ref this match in a neck brace. Oh my god, you right. Because it was funny. Um... And then at the end of the match, after the ring crew won, you guys decided to have a spin a rooney contest, which actually only Kev could do. Oh, yeah. Did, did, did I take part of that? I, I, I don't remember, but I remember, like, I stumbled out to the middle of the ring, still selling the, the neck after wrestling a match just fine. And, like, I bumped, and then you guys just took my legs and spun me in a circle on my back. <laughs> Alright, this this adds up and then that adds up for sure. Yep. And that was me doing a spin of Rooney. Hmm. 
Eric's like, possibly. Maybe. At that period of time, that's definitely that probably Kevin Pike was like, we're doing that for sure. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I may or may not have my photos folder opened up right now trying to find pictures of Matt refereeing in a neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that you still have all of your folders folders from back then. I my those computers from back then are dead for me. I don't have anything. Wow, Steve Barber was at ringside with us. And so was Joey Image. There's a picture of Joey Image right there. What? <laughs> you guys are off. Joey Image was I, – I, like, I'm literally looking at pictures from this match right now. God dang it. If you find a picture of me refereeing in a neck brace, please send it along. Oh, that's Instagram material, for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. The ring crew does appear one more time at EGW. And this may have been Eric and Strasser rather yeah. than Eric and Kev. It was. Um, that makes sense. So we're now in the year 2005 at this point. I think we're in Summit Hill. And yeah. the ring crew takes on Reekin Havoc. So this is actually the first time I ever met Chio Frost. Um, and I don't even remember the match. I have it on, I have it in footage somewhere. I just couldn't find it before the show to review it. But yeah, um, like Chio and I are good friends to this day, but this was the first time I ever met him. That's really all I remember about the match. And that's fine. It's, it's always cool to, to bring Chio up with this. Maybe we'll have him on. I should, I should have him on sometime to discuss some of this stuff. I think my partner was Strasser under a mask as Ring Crew Mask. With Ring Crew Mask. I believe that's who it was. Oh, man. Yes. And that was a gimmick that Strasser had inherited from Mike Collis, who did it once at VWA when he was on leave from being in Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. That mask was like a really – that was like a $200 mask he had. Fun fact, I still have it. it. You still have that mask? Yeah. That's dope. (laughs) I believe that's the one anyway. The gold one. I believe it's that one. Speaking of Collis, uh, the following month we load up a car. <laughs> we loaded up two cars. Two cars. And um, that plays into the story incredibly. Yes. We had to Schenectady, New York <laughs> uh, to go to World of Hurt Wrestling. It is match 38 in the book as um, the zoo crew of Brad, Eric, and Mike Collis take on Matt Turner, Sensation, Juan Cruz, and a guy I don't remember named OG. So, uh, all right, I guess we should talk about the car ride. Schenectady from the Scranton area is only a couple hours. Three? Three and a half? Maybe three and a half? Maybe three, because it's it's next to Albany, or it's really close to Albany. Yeah, it's it's practically right in the... yeah. So this was the week after Mike Collis had gotten back from active military leave in Iraq. In Iraq, you know, I'm not trying to steal Mike's thunder here, but he was a driver. So he drove Humvees and, you know, on top of just being a badass, you know, army guy. Like, hey, I'm happy with this trip. I can drive us. I have a new, I have a new, new SUV. Me and Eric are like, all right, all right, man, we'll head in with you. We'll hop in with you, and we'll go up to Schenectady with you. You and you guys, being uh, Juan Cruz, uh, Matt Turner, and, and Matt, all left cars, and you guys left the same time we did. Yes. 
Mike Collins gets on 81. Things are going okay. We cut over to 84. For those of you who are in the FIFA region, you kind of know where I'm at here. 380 to 84. So we're heading in just – we're heading just – take us to New York, you know? At some point, maybe 25 minutes into this drive, I realize we're only doing about 45 miles an hour. Up from the back seat, and Mike Collis' knuckles are wrapped. His whole hands are just wrapped around the steering wheel, and he's white-knuckling the whole time. And I'm thinking to myself, what? What is going on here? Like, are we okay? Is everything all right? And then it I'm hit dying me. over here. <laughs> it hit me. It Eric, it, yeah, Eric is, like, trying not to, like, freak out. And that's when I realized that Mike Collis just came back from being a, a military Humvee driver. So this dude has his head in a swivel, thinking there's still, like, IUDs and mines. The people are going to try to kill us on this road. And I'm like, oh, oh, we're in for a long ride. And what should be a three-hour drive turned into a five-and-a-half-hour drive because Mike would not go above 50 miles an hour on a 65-mile-an-hour roadway. I'm surprised you made the show. I, 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 I think that's right. <laughs> it was something. And I think the reason that OG person was in this match is because uh, Shane Storm couldn't make it. And he it was supposed to be it was supposed to be Shane Storm in that role, but 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 uh, but Shane could not make it to the uh, to that event that day. He could not hop in a, in a car with us. And the the driving arrangement plays into after the show because we decided to stop at Perkins in Milford on the way home. And driving down, we got the idea that'd be funny. If the three of you walked in and the three of us were sitting all together on the same side of the booth. And how long have you guys been sitting there like that, by the way? And that, that's where I was headed with this. It was funny for the first couple minutes. But the 45 minutes later, when you guys actually got to Perkins, it was no longer funny. <laughs> so, Eric, I don't, I, I don't remember this match being a thing. The ceilings are real low. It was like upstairs in a in like a school. The match itself is, is unmemorable to me, but I mean, I remember it was a lot of like Chikara esque spots because that OG guy was like trying to get a Chikara and you know Juan Cruz and Tony or uh, like Shane were um, you know like it was supposed to be one of those things that he wanted to like show what he can do. But the match was really unmemorable to me. I know we lost. Yeah, I dropped I which spear. That's what it was. It was. So it- yeah, it's the only thing I remember is OG beat me with a spear after all that. Like, he wants he to go off the spots, and then his finish was a spear. I'm like, okay. That's the only reason I remember it is because he wanted to do all those crazy spots and then finish with a spear. I was like, I don't remember him being that big either, was he? He was no, like a little guy, right? Yeah, he was small. He was probably like Strasser's size. Uh, That's actually, what I, was no, I think, think, um, think like Deshaun Pratt, if I remember correct, um, but a little bulkier, like a little stockier. That makes sense. If I can and that, size. The other thing that's memorable from this show uh, was us in the locker room, and uh, we're getting changed, and everyone's there. It's like the whole New York, upper, you know, upstate New York crew is there. And uh, I'm getting changed, and next to me is the the Carnage crew of Loki DeVito, because most of these guys are their students. And uh, I take my shirt off, and I have my, my shirt edge tattoo, and you see them like, so they're like kind of pointing up at me, and 
Loki goes, hey there. Yeah. He's like, so, uh, are you, uh, CM Punk Straight Edge or, uh, Oman Tortuga Straight Edge? And I was like, huh? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a, what are you, what? He's like, you know, man, like, you know, Punk Straight Edge. X. He's like, or, Ormond Tortuga Straight Edge. He, he insinuates, uh, the movement of the needle going into the butt. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't do steroids. He's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> It was just so absurd that that, that quote. I think I, I think last time I saw Loke at at one of the Zimmer shows, I, I brought it up to him. He's like, "Yeah, that's something I would say." <laughs> goddamn, <laughs> goddamn, dude. Uh, I I forgot about that till right now, but that definitely did happen. <laughs> <laughs> Part of so, my language. I got to go back. We got to backtrack a little bit here to the cross Van Tassel match because I did just send you guys a picture of that. Matt, what the F was up with your hair in 2005? Um, that picture uh, brilliant, by the way. Uh, no, that picture's the, so good. There's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> That's an my brother. Um, I, I remember this night because I drove down with Jerry and I had taken a bus to New York City. Um, my uncle had won a silent auction to get a tour of Z100 and be on the Z100 morning show. That's so weird and random. Uh, well, my uncle works for Macy's in the city, and he yeah. was involved in stuff like that. And um, so he won the silent auction. He's like, well, of course I'm going to take Matt to the radio station. The radio and guy. That- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That morning, I was in the studio on the Z100 morning show in Jersey City, and then got back on a bus and wound up in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. Jerry had to wrestle Porter that night um, as Juan Cruz, and it was going well. But the spot was supposed to be Porter would start to undo the mask and tie it to the top rope. But the knot knot didn't work out that well. So Jerry had to just, like, put his hand on the top rope and and hold the mask there. I love how you see that Porter can't tie a knot. That's great. Um, Anyway, we get back (laughs) to We get back to EGW. It's oh, hold on, real quick. You, so you brought the Perkins story. I want to finish this off real quick. You got we left the we left that show at the same time. The car, and I know I, we're not going to home for like four in the morning if I don't say something. So like we're almost at that Perkins. I'm like, hey, Carl, are you tired? He's like, what? No, I'm good. I'm like, no, man, listen, I know you've been driving all day. I, I'm the way to drive. He's like, no, that's not a big deal. And I was like, no, 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 it's cool, man. I want to drive. He's like, no, 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 no. So we get to Perkins, and you guys rib us for doing the whole one side of the table thing. And I'm like, this is awesome. It didn't help that this Perkins one was close at midnight, and y'all held them up till we got there at 10, at like at least 5 to 12. We didn't walk in until they were about to close. And I felt so bad. But, yes, we ate. And then on the way out, my calls give me your goddamn keys. I'm not, no, I was like, give me your keys, we're done. And I think I did about 95 the whole way home. <laughs> I wasn't playing that game anymore. <laughs> but anyway, so, back to EQW. <laughs> yep, 
Um, and we'll just touch on this here real quickly because now the New Jersey All-Stars are coming into EGW as well. And in match, <laughs> excuse me, 51, Eric teams with Lucky, who is now Lucky 13, against, from the Mess Brothers School, Nightmare and Cremator. So I don't remember much about this match. Nightmare and Cremator were always good guys. Um, but I do remember drunkenly messaging Lucky because this was between me teaming with Kev and Collis, like drunkenly messaging Lucky and asking him to be my tag team partner because I needed a tag team partner. I am not a singles wrestler. <laughs> that's really all. That's the only story I have about that whole match because I can't remember. I have uh, pictures of it somewhere, but I just I don't remember anything about the actual match. That's okay. I'm sure it was your standard tag match with um with the mess guys. I'm sure it went well. Uh, and so, then more. And is, it fu- is, is it funny that Eric uh, had called the the kid who was in the Irish drinking crew? I'm just like, when I remember the time when uh, yeah when when you were drinking and you called the kid who was in CCW in the Irish drinking team. Makes oh, a lot of sense to me at least. It was over AOL and Messenger. That's even better. <laughs> a snapshot of 2005 right there. <laughs> so two matches later, I'm back out in the ring for match 53, and there's more New Jersey All-Stars and more Mess Brothers um, as Brad and Joe, um, as the Hardcore Mafia, take on the, at that time, J.C. Ryder, now Orange Cassidy, and at that time, Danny Rage, now Dan Champion. And the third team of Troy and Mark Mest, the Intimidators, match 53, also May 14th, 2005. So, yeah. Um, this match, I remember, I, this was the weird part. I don't remember Sip, and, or I don't remember those guys, I don't remember the Jersey guys in the match at all. So this is for the EGW Tag Team Championships. And I think either they were vacant, or Troy and Mark were the champions at the time, I don't remember. But I remember just being, like, afraid to work with the Mess Brothers. Because, like, Troy was just the scariest-looking guy. Mark was just big. You know what I mean? Like, he looked like he was going to hurt you. And they'd been around the world. You know, they'd been around. They'd done their, their dark matches. And they were those kind of legends at that time on the indie scene. Like, oh, you're going to work with the Mess tonight? Oh, and look out. It's going you know, to be hard. Like, gosh, oh, Christ, here we go, you know? Uh, but I remember, like, once we got in there, and we called the match in the back, and as long as you listened, Troy and Mark were just, like, light as a feather. Light as a feather. I have never had a bad experience with Troy or Mark in the ring. They are so easy to work with. And Oh, yeah, it's just, yeah. And I, I, I definitely, I don't remember when you guys won the, was this where you won the tag titles? Cause is I this, don't remember. Was this in Summit, was this in Summit Hill? It may have been. I think I put, I, I'm in my office in my house, but I think I put the book back in my bedroom. That's so I'm, I'm not going to get up and get it right Summit now. Hill. Cause I don't remember working many times with Mark and Troy. Just because we didn't work a lot together. So like, I believe this had to be the match. Okay. So, a good experience all around there. And then we do it again. We go to Palo Alto, uh, June 4th. And now take out the Intimidators and put in 
the zoo crew of Eric Pinhat and at that time John Logan, now of course Mike Collis. And so this we were, was we were, I'm sorry, go ahead. We were talking, the three of us were talking prior to us starting this over text, like what matches don't we remember and like what's going on with this and I forgot what match Stephen was. So I don't remember Joe won this match. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't remember any of the spots. I remember it being like a three-way tag and those things are always chaotic. And Eric, if you remember anything else, please chime in. But the one thing I remember, EGW would put up quote unquote guardrails on the outside, but they weren't guardrails. They were just like, like orange pylons with sticks in them and they'd put like caution tape around and <laughs> And me and JC Ryder and Joe, funniest thing that they would put these up to hold people back. So there's a part in the match where the whole thing breaks down and, and, and OC goes and he's like, whip me into the guardrail. And I'm like, hey, what? Sorry. And he, he stops dead at it and sells it like you just hit like an actual guardrail. And it's like rising on the ground. And I, I don't know how he didn't burst out laughing hysterically because he did it. I think we did the spot twice. The second time he like did the AJ style, like we jumped over the guardrail and then came back in with the stuff. That's the only thing I remember about that whole match. That's it. I feel bad. <laughs> Concussions are a bitch. Yeah, I don't have much memory of it. And I just noticed looking at this list that that is the first tag team match with me and Collis. And I don't remember it. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I just realized it. Like, wait a minute, that was the first tag match for me and Mike. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um, so this kind of spins off into the Zoo Crew Hardcore Mafia feud that took the company through the summer. I did not ref the tag title match in my own fucking hometown. <laughs> Um, at the baseball field uh, where my college graduation party was and we had that ridiculous kickball game where it was like four of us against like literally 12 children and, and our friend Micah. I forgot Micah was on the kids team. <laughs> if you ever... There's, there's only ever two stories you'll hear of that day which is not a wrestling day but it's the kickball game and my mother telling Kev that he couldn't have more potato salad. <laughs> we still hear about Kev not having potato salad 20 years later or 15 years later. <laughs> Whatever it is. You know, remember that time your mom wouldn't let me have potato salad? Kev, that was 15 years ago. It, you know, he still brings it up to my mother, too. Like, like everyone will be here at the house or, like, we'll, like, we'll all be someplace. And he'll make a potato salad joke and my mother will go, Kev. That was, like, so long ago, and I didn't tell you you couldn't have more potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then my dad, then my dad will stick up for Kev. disrespect. And then my dad will stick up for Kev, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> anyway. Um, bored. So, the Zoo Crew and the Hardcore Mafia, they have a few matches in Tamakwa. One of them is a double dog collar match. Uh, we'll go with matches 92 and 129 in the book. They are from August 13th, 2005 and November 5th of 2005. One of these was a dog collar match. I want to say 
I mean, part of me wants to say it, it may have been the August match because the next match on your list, at least, Matt, is me and Rich Howe versus Turner and Franco. And maybe that's when Joe was finally done. But, like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not recollecting which of those two matches could have been the double dog collar. So let's just let's just lump that feud together, I guess. Yeah, patience, and, my friends. I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna talk about the feud then, real quick. So like, yeah, EGW at the time, like Jesse. Uh, so Draven Blaze's father, Jesse, with his wife Lorraine. Um, and I'm not gonna say anything bad about anybody. I'm still friends with Draven to this day. And the experiences I had for the most part in that company were good, except for right before we had to leave. Um, I think I even went back at some point. Anyway, they, Draven gave us, us, self, Joe and Eric and Collis kind of like free reign to put this, this whole feud together. Cause you knew we knew each other for so long and that we were friends and yada, yada, yada. And the whole thing just worked. So they had the belt for me and Joey. So we added, we added a manager in Slick Willie Seaman. And then we started bringing in, we brought in Rich as like, I don't want to say like our lackey, but like as like a third in the comedy manager, but also a fighting manager. And on the other side to kind of like level that field out, Eric and and Collis brought in Vaughn because we had already, like trained Vaughn at the zoo and we're trying to get him out on the, uh, like on the Indies at this point. That's kind of where like, and then we had the Vaughn rich feud kind of looped in there too. I think they had a bit of a, a feud based off our feud, which I thought was like really, uh, really big on Jesse and coming to let us like build our feud. We have a secondary feud that we're going to do too. And then at some point, us going to them and being like, Hey, we want to blow this feud off and lose the tag belts to Eric and Collis in a double dog collar. Time they could have told us to get to pound sand and you know get fucked, but they're like, "No, let's do it." You guys supply the the dog collars, do the whole gimmick. You can do whatever you want. And I remember the four of us were just like, "Oh, oh, okay, all right, let's do this then." I guess you know. Um, but yeah, so that was like the the catalyst of the feud was just them being like. Go do your thing. Go have fun with it. It's like, oh, all right, man. Let's do this. And and we did. We definitely did. Um, so that the stuff with Mike and Rich that actually ended up being their first indie matches. In That's the, right. In the mix of it, so they worked each other in their first singles matches. The dog collar match is also the November match. How I figured okay. this out was I just loaded up a video of the match and I looked in the crowd to see if anyone was wearing jackets. <laughs> that summer match i have no idea what that summer match was that would have been i have i have footage of that too that was at summit hill i believe um so oh so, no no i remember that match we cheated we uh me and that's Joe, dq we had we had we pulled what's up now i think we pulled we pulled the ref out and just laid them out no, that was Scott. That I'm was watching, Scott. I'm watching, yeah, I'm watching it right now. That was Scott. Yeah. 
So I don't know what that other match was. Oh my god! How many goddamn matches are we doing, you guys? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Snapmares. Uh, Snapmares. What? Samojo. Ah. What the fuck is Samojo? Uh, Alright, so since, since I brought up, I should probably give that context. Uh, my tag partner, Joey, was like, he would only, we'd, we would only watch like NWA old school wrestling to kind of base what we but I would also watch newer indie stuff, Ring of Honor and everything else. Thomas was like up on everything. You know, he knew his flair. He knew his dusty. You know, he knew his primetime wrestling from the 80s. But he also was like up on Japanese and Ring of Honor. So like the old school, like there was a spot from Joey Stewart. He would like <clears throat> snapmare you over the, the spinal kick and you'd feed open your chest, and then he'd pop to the side and kick you in the chest. Then you'd drop down, he'd drop a knee. So, like, instead of to back to, to, to the, you know, to my party, he just gets in the ring, and he's like, Samoa Joe, and Joe, my, my, Joe's like, what are you talking, and he's like, just, just kicking, and Joe's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, he didn't know what to do, because Kyle didn't call his spot properly. You know? And that dog car match, I have a story about about that. So, I don't know if we all rode together. Probably not. I think in my car, it was like me, Joe, Rich, and, probably, and you guys probably had the other car. So, I think prior to the show, I got a call or an email or from Jesse or from Draven. Like, hey, the athletic commission said since there's a dog car match, there's a rap can't believe now and I'm mad because if people know me uh, in my early part of my career if I got a chance to get color at all I got color I think you guys can both attest to this yep <laughs> I have a story that later <laughs> yeah uh, so I'm just pissed so then I'm talking to Joe I'm talking to Rich like what do we do there has to be some kind of state None of us believe. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yada, yada, yada. So I came up with the genius idea was, here we go. It's in, it's in, the, it's in the winter. I'll have a beanie cap on the whole day. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pre-gig before I leave the house. And then put a small bandage on, wear my beanie all day, only right before I'm going to go to the ring. So that way... I've got a cut on my head already, and all you guys have to do in the match is just fucking attack it. You know, like, open me up, because it's a hard way. You don't see me touch my head to gig. You can't stop the match. So we get to the, I, I pre-gig it right before I leave the house. It's a little bit of blood. I cover it up, put the beanie on. We get to the show. Uh, the Apollo Creed uh, State Athletic Commission guy is there, um, who was always the best guy in the world. He kind of gives us the, the you know, he kind of reads, reads us the riot act of like, oh, uh, like, I know it's going to be a big match and you can't go through any tables and you bleed. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever, buddy. So you sit in the crowd and we go out for the match. Now, I don't know if I lost a fucking rock, paper, scissors match to Joey, but I got tethered to Collis and Joey got tethered to, to Eric. So I think, cause this is, I think this is one show prior or post. 
the Samoa Joe spot. So I think Joe's like, if you don't take Collis in this match, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, all right, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell him, I said, listen, I'm already cut. So at some point in the match, just take me down and wind the, the chain around your fist and just go to the cut and just bust me wide open. It'll be great. So we're doing all these cool spots in the match. And um, at some point, me and Collis are in the ring and I'm like, all right, man, snap me over pull my head back, and just go to town and cut me open. All right, cool, man. So Snap mirrors me over and just pulls the head back, and he rifles back, bare-fisted. Pop! I try to feel up nothing. I said, I'm like, again, pop! Now he's hitting me for real. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Mike, wrap the chain around your fist. Chain around his fist, and he is just rifling down some of the stiffest shots I've ever been hit with, and there's just no blood. And finally, I'm just like, no more. We're done. Stop hitting me. Please, God, stop hitting me. <laughs> I think he may have went to the finish not too shortly after that. But I think the finish was what? You you guys got untethered, and you hit Joe. He got him with it on the balled-up chains, right? No. So I hit you on the – because I actually just watched this match earlier. So I hit, nice. you, with that on, I hit you with that on the chain. Uh-huh. And you powdered. Then Joe took me out, and while he was taunting me outside, Collis wrapped the chain around his forearm and hit him with the big lariat with the chain around his forearm. That's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was the end of the feud because we went up that day. Um, yes. Now my story from that match is it's the <laughs> only time in my it's the only time in my life I've ever seen Joe T scared is. <laughs> And keep in mind, I've known Joe yeah, yeah. since 1999 now. So this is 21 years. Um, I had him laying in the corner with his head on the bottom turnbuckle. And I grabbed the chain. And I said, you want chain? I'll give you a chain. And I balled the chain up in a ball and I threw it in his face. <laughs> and when I had the chain up in my hands, I get ready. It was the only time I ever saw him afraid. <laughs> And like we're not like I like me and Joe. I think if we to the like, Home Depot and we just found two like we 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 got sixteen foot, foot like two separate runs of sixteen foot of chain and we went over to PetSmart and we bought four dog collars and all the carabiners and everything to go with it and then they like you and Dicky threw us half and we just split the difference on the whole thing and honestly like. Remember the setup for this match? We did a promo before the, I think like before, like in the beginning of the show. And like, you're like, we should do it one more time. And I'm wearing this backpack, like one of those sling backpacks. And I've got all the the dog collars like stuffed in it. Like I let it loose. And all you hear is this thud of these dog collars like, hitting the mat. And it made this great sound. And we pull the dog collars out and the crowd is going crazy. Those dog collars, that chain was heavy. So yeah. When you say Joe T was afraid, I understand. Because <laughs> yeah, later on in that match, got him with it. Which if you people don't, if you don't know what that is, it's a, it's just like a like a like the like a sit out rock bottom on the balled up chain, and that shit hurts. That shit hurts bad. <laughs> so, there's another story I just remembered about that match while you were oh, talking. Yeah. Um, so while we were getting hooked up in the beginning, Matt hooked me up. And then he went over to the <laughs> Joe T up with the other length of chain from, you know, that was attached to me. But he stood with the chain between his legs. 
So yes. he's trying to hook Joe T up, and I remember trying to flick the chain up and hit, hit him in the balls with it from the other side. I remember, <laughs> I think I was already hooked up, and I'm looking at you, and Matt steps over the chain, and I'm like, uh-oh. I think I gave you the Iggy, and you're like trying to like flick it up to hit Matt in the balls. It was Ugh. absolutely something that you couldn't pass that opportunity up. No, no, especially with the four of us, the five of us, you know, us and, you know, the tag teams and Collis there, plus like Rich and, and, and Paul. And it was like, it, yeah, it was just a perfect store. That night was awesome. Yes, and I, I still got, I still got a little bit banged up in this match myself because Paul hit me with his shoe. Um, with the, with oh. the, with the hard heel of a dress shoe. Oh, god damn. On the top of my I mean, head. He's not dead, it's just, you know, I don't see him anymore. Um, and I had, I, I had to get bumped so that everyone could get disconnected. Yes. And I, I remember during intermission, cause this was the first half main, like I'm talking to Paul out in the, like, we're, we're making our rounds, talking to fans and stuff, and someone, up to me and he goes, he didn't really hit you with that show. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel the lump on my head. And Paul, like, I'm, 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 I'm sure Paul listened to this once he hears we're talking about him. Like, Paul wasn't trained. Like, Paul was a friend of, you know, who like kind of came up with everyone through the backyard, did a little bit of stuff there, came into VCW, like, and then one dude Indies was like, hey man, you want to come on these trips? Hey man, you want to be a manager? You know, like, it was very much like he was the friend who could do that stuff. So, like, Paul didn't understand. Like, he knew what worked punches were. But, like, in the heat of a double dog collar match, everyone's just throwing live rounds. Yeah, Paul can hit you with a shoe. What the fuck? You know what I mean? So the fan <laughs> felt the lump on my head. And they're like, oh, okay, you know, no, you really got hit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I like got hit. Yeah. That, that hurt real bad. That shit no fun. <laughs> That person's still telling his friends that pro wrestling is not fake because he felt the lump on the referee's head 15 years later. No, it's not fake. The referee had a lump from getting hit with the shoe. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that my friend was too caught up in the moment and hit me with the shoe by mistake for real. It's that he actually... And I, think, I remember Paul was feeling real bad about it. I'm like, oh, Christ. Uh, it was cool. Like it's 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 wrestling. It, it hurts. Um, so right now we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear some words from some other podcasts, and we will be right back. Woo! Hi, this is Anthony from the IWEP Network. We're a collection of weekly podcasts that vary in all different types of topics. We can be found on all social media, as well as any podcast or music app that you may use, as well as YouTube. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Here's a lineup of our five shows that you may be interested in. Interviews with everyday people. Interviews and conversations on a positive note and just getting to know each other. Everyone has a story. Bangin' Beers podcast, beer reviews, hanging out with some friends, and much more. Truth behind illusion. Are you into ghosts, monsters, conspiracy theories, and more? Then this show will be for you. Tornado Tag Podcast. Pro wrestling stories, news, and show reviews. We love supporting indie wrestling, so come check us out. Not Cool in High School Podcast. A pop culture show where we cover movies, television, comic books, and video games. A weekly topic. So come hang out with us. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you soon. Thank you to the IWEP Network for your promotion there. 
Make sure you check out all those shows. They're all good guys and girls over there. We are back here on we are back here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio with the Patton City War Machines, and we are barely through a year of matches. <laughs> I told you guys, it's going to be a long one. I wasn't kidding. So we are going to move forward uh, to December 10th, 2005. Brad now in singles action, out on his own in the world, taking on John Return Buckles. Good lord. Uh, yeah, so this match... I, I remember I kinda remember it more vividly because Eric put a great like uh Eric made a great like music video to it. And yeah, uh buddy. Yeah, of course. That was what you did back then. Everything got a music video to some to some uh hardcore song which I love. And I was drunk. <laughs> At this point, don't say. Uh <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I remember me and Jerry worked a lot on this match, like at the EW school, like in the leading weeks up to it. So you like wanted to try a whole bunch of different lucha, and uh, and I've always been like pretty good base on taking like lucha stuff. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's do anything you want to do. I remember the match was being very fast paced, even for me at the time when I was still like I was still heavier, but I wasn't like obese, and I felt felt very accomplished being able to like keep up with Jerry in in this capacity. You know, I was like, all right, well, if I can move with him, I could probably move with anyone else. I think at this point I was starting to get into some single stuff uh, and trying to like kind of find my footing and doing that. So I was like, if I can, if I can kind of run with Jerry, maybe there's hope for, you know, for me getting places without having to have a tag guy with me, which as I look forward, uh, yeah, it doesn't work out too well for me. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But before we do, um, you do have one more tag match at EGW teaming with Rich Howe, um, continuation of that feud as you take on uh, the, well before they were called this, Diamond City Kings of Matt Turner and Mike Vaughn. Match 159 in the book. So can we, we, we skipped a match. We skipped me and Rich versus Turner and Franco, which I only want to bring up for like two spots. Okay. Uh, Rich, like you said, like, pre, right, right around the same time was, like, him finally getting into indie wrestling, him, like, kind of coming back and retraining and kind of finding his footing. Joey was like, I'm done. I got to get out, you know. We teamed up in this match against Turner and Franco because, at this point, Turner and Franco were hot. I think this this day was Rich's birthday. So Turner's like, all right, Rich, you get, you can go over on me because it'll be awesome to do that because it's your birthday. Whatever finish you want. So before this, we knew we had you as a ref, and we knew we wanted to rib not only you but Turner. So, like, <laughs> me and Rich are waiting in the back, and we're just shoving everything in the kitchen in Summit Hill in our pockets. I forgot about this. <laughs> In, in our knee pads, in my kick pads, like, we're just shoving everything. Ladles, soup, like, everything we could find in there. And then Rich is, like, in Drew's bag, he had a picture of Lily, like, his daughter Lily. He puts that in his knee pad. We go out to the ring, and, like, you go to check them first. You come over to me, and I think I gave you the Iggy. I'm like, there's tons of shit. Find all of it. And you're like, what? And you start, like, checking, like, why do you have this knife? 
why do you have this soup ladle? What is, like, chopsticks? We're like, what? No, they're, they're for the match. And you're, and is like, check my knee, Matt. And you check his knee, and you pull out the picture of Lily, and you're like, what is this? You turn around to Turner, and he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm dying, and Frank goes, like, cracking up, but Drew's hot. This is after Drew was like, hey, Rich, it's your birthday. I'm going to let you pin me with whatever finish you want to do tonight because you're my boy. And here's Rich being like, by the way, here's a picture of your daughter in my boots. And Rich, in you know, the time frame this is in, Rich, being Rich, was like, LOL, I thought she said she was 18. And I looked at him sideways and I'm like, dude, he's going to kill you for saying that. Because that was the whole Rob Feinstein thing. It was just like, brother, brother, what are you doing? Like, oh, we're going to get so, – like, we've known Drew our whole lives, but, like, he's going to kill us. And the match was fun because working with Turner and Franco was always a good time. But the finish Rich wanted to do was Warrior Rude from WrestleMania where, where Drew goes to suplex Rich back in from the apron – I pulled Drew's foot like Heenan did to Warrior and hold on to it. And the, it was such a – and he, that was all his idea. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And that match, I remember that match was a lot of fun because of that spot and because of the rib to begin with, all the all the shenanigans in our pockets and whatnot. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, that was um... – <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that too. It was so good. I don't get them kind of for much stuff in the world. That was hilarious. And then you came again against Turner again, and now Mike Vaughn. You know what? I don't remember this match, brother. I don't. I, I don't remember what we even did in that match. Again, if it was Vaughn and Turner, I'm sure it was stiff because Drew was stiff and Vaughn couldn't see four feet in front of his face, so he just threw <laughs> <his nose. laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what a knock on Vaughn. There's, uh, are you going to have Vaughn on at some point? I don't know how, how many matches you I have. Am. So I don't want to spoil too much about Vaughn, but like, I love that kid to death. I think he, I think Eric has, has more pride for what Vaughn has done in this sport than I do, and that's understandable. But he blew a perfect opportunity to have one of the most over gimmicks ever by just not wanting to spend some money. And it's still bugging this day. Uh, the the Mike Vaughn name is a take on on Ricky Vaughn from from Major League to the point where like, and I think it was because Vaughn without his glasses on is blind, much like Rick Vaughn was. So Dio was like, he just come to the ring and just be the shits because he can't see what he's doing. Everyone beats him, but then like at some point he gets the, he gets the glasses and then he can see. And he, he goes on a winning streak. And all he had to do was, like, go out and buy a fucking Cleveland Indians jersey and wear baseball pants. And it'd be great. And it would have built up fantastic. But he didn't want to do it. And I was like, dude, because he was young, he didn't, he, it's embarrassing to be like, here's your disability not being able to see. And you're going to lose because of it. I get it. But, man, he left so much money on the table. I think the fact that uh, a very good professional wrestler picked it up and ran with it years later is is is, is fine <laughs> it's fine i'm not bitter uh, mad 
Oh. <laughs> I got to jump in here real quick. Um, it's not about Mike, but that whole story aside, I win this night. It was February 11th, 2006, and I'm staring at a photo of me wrestling the Ice Dwarfs. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I see we have different definitions of the word winning. <laughs> this was this was my last night with EGW, and there was a reason. <laughs> because of that. Yes, I'm staring at it. Was this and night? Also, was this the ahead. night that we were in? Is this Tamaqua? Um, I think this is the one that did not have the balcony. Okay, so I, mean, I think this might be my last night with the company too. Maybe. And I, I believe it's, it's also mine. Fun. This might be the end of my first one with the company. I think I came back later, but I think this is, might have been the. Is this a double shot day or no? No. No, it wasn't. Uh, that's, that's a different story, a different time. No, don't worry about it. All right. Well, in that case, we'll move along to the Roller King. <laughs> Oof. Um, hey, Eric, remember the time we went to Roller King to try to get a show for World Star Wrestling, and the guy from Roller King asked us where he where we expected to fit 93,000 people in there? Yes, sir. <laughs> that's because he had Guns N' Roses play there, too, remember? Yes. Uh. <laughs> So, two matches from this night, uh, and they're back-to-back, and um, so I guess the semi-main and the main, based on what I'm looking at here. Eric is in an eight-way match called the Eliminator in match 246 against J.S. Michaels, the aforementioned a very good professional wrestler, at that time known as Sean Hayes, Sean Fury, Lucky, Devin Moore, C.J. O'Doyle, and Mike Vaughn. Yeah, I did not belong in this one. I watched it earlier. This is the beginning of me starting to get bitter towards wrestling. Um, and it, you know, I was with, I was teaming with Kev and Kev got hurt and had to stop. And then, you know, everything happened with Collis where that didn't work out. Um, and I was just hating wrestling at this point, but still doing it for some reason. Um, so not only did, uh, were the other guys in the match way more talented than I was at that point? Um, I was just not in it. And you can see it in my performance, like watching it. It's, I didn't belong. Now, the thing I remember about this match is that almost everyone had at least one manager, if not several. <laughs> I had three, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had three. I had Kev, Jay, and Paul Seaman, right? Yes. Oh, who? Yeah, the Diamond Hooligans. Yes, yeah. Um, which was basically just the four of you turned up to, like, 33. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Jay, who wasn't even involved in the business, he was just like, I'm just your friend who's going to beat people up. And Paul, who was just like, I'm just a drunk guy. I'm an Irish drunk guy, so I belong with the rest of these drunk people. That made a lot of sense, yeah. We did have that cool spiked baseball bat, though, that Jay kept in his car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were hitting people with frying pans, you know. Yes. As the board, the frying pan came in too, yeah. <laughs> the following match that night, um, we talked about Brad gigging earlier, and this was the scariest moment I ever had with Brad gigging, and it's not for the reason you'd expect. Um, match 247, um, again at the Roller King, January 6, 2007, as Brad challenges Matt Turner for the VWA title. You, you know, I have a lot of. Uh, fond memories of this night. I watched this match maybe a couple months ago. Eric was like, hey man, I found that match against Turner. It's just a hard camera footage. Here you go. 
I watched this match back that night when Eric sent it to me, and it is trash. <laughs> uh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's too long. The, the story we told is okay, but at the same point, like, ugh, I don't know. So at this time, Rich was promoting VCW and using Pro Wrestling Unplugged's license. So those guys, meaning like uh, Dr. Don Boots and like Johnny Cashmere, those guys were always at our shows, which was cool because like it gave all of us a chance to kind of shine and like try to work our way in a pro wrestling unplugged, which is like kind of where I wanted to be at the point. It was like this, the offshoot of CCW and it was a hot new thing and yada, yada, yada. So me and Turner were like, we got to kind of go all out, you know, if we're going to get seen by, by, by cashmere and company and get used, let's fucking, let's make a fucking point of it. And I think on that same show, Joe T worked with Jerry in what was like an amazing singles match, like showing what Jerry could do and kind of showing Joey as a dominant, dominant up and comer. Me and Turner were like, let's just go crazy. Turner was a champion. <clears throat> and I was like, I'm, I'm going to bleed. It's the main event. I think that'll stand us out, you know, on top of our story if I gig. Well, how do we get there? I don't want to do hardcore. I said, all right. So we kind of sat down and kind of uh, put our heads together. And we, we this was like maybe a couple months, maybe a year after the Brian Daniels and Nigel McGuinness pure wrestling title match where they did a spot on the outside where Nigel had captured Daniels' arm around the buckle, on the post. It was a back and forth. And uh, Nigel puts has both of Brian's arms, puts his foot up on the post, pulls, and Danielson goes head first into the post. I think it was Danielson. These were Danielson or Nigel. No, it was Nigel. Nigel goes face first into the post, and his head explodes. I said, Drew, let's do that. I, I'll i take it, and if I don't hard way, I'll gig, and that'll be great, because my hands will be anywhere near it, yada, yada, yada. Okay, cool. So the day of the show... I'm out with Joe T, or like a Dollar General, and I bought, I bought blades. Lo and behold, I didn't know that the person who checked me out was Jimmy Gallagher, uh, who is best friends at the time with Rich, who tells him later on, hey, Brad came and bought blades for me. Whatever. <laughs> the match is fantastic. The crowd is up and down. I think we bump Matt at one point. We go to the outside. We do the spot on the on the on the uh, on the post. I drop. I don't hard way. I put my head under the ring, and I cut. And this one is good. Good being bad. So, in the hullabaloo of the whole day, I forget that I have a girlfriend. And she comes to the show. Well, I knew Ashley would be there. She comes, and she is with, uh, she had brought my mom and my dad and my godmother and her husband. And, uh, yeah. I didn't inform Ashley that I was gigging this show. I probably should have, because she could have warned my mother that her son, who she's only seen wrestle twice, like, my mom knows I've been, you know, like, she's 
early in my career, she wasn't very happy. The first show she ever came to was VWA at the zoo in 2004, and she brought my little brother, who at the time was, that was 2004, so I was 24. He's 15 years younger than me. Do the math. He was a child. <laughs> I got jumped, turned on by my best friend, a man she has known for years at this point, being Joe T. I get beaten up, and I get, quote-unquote, stretchered out in front of my mother and my brother. And then someone won't let my mom backstage to see me. It was an issue. Trust me. Fast forward to this night. I come out of the ring. I come out front of the ring, up back into the ring, and I am wearing the proverbial crimson mask. And I can hear, out of everyone who's oohing and on, I can hear someone screaming at the top of her lungs, and it is my mother. Now, Drew was supposed to go over this match. We do a ref bump. Joe and Frank come out. We lay Drew out. Drew, at some point in the match, after this, goes to me, fuck it. You should just pin me. The crowd is so hot right now, it would make sense. Like, we're talking, because Matt's not up yet. He's like, fuck this, let's change the finish. And I'm like, covered in blood. And I don't know if I change the finish, because I'm already going to get yelled at by Rich for gigging. Because I didn't clear with him. I know I'm going to catch shit with the fucking, yeah, like, you know, with everybody and my mom and my girlfriend. I'm like, no, we have a finish to go to. Let's just go to it. We end the match. Drew goes up. We get to the back. And Rich is just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We might get kicked out of here. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, dude, it was hard way. It was hard way. I'm trying. I'm still trying to go that it was hard way. I'm like, you saw me hit the post in my head. I didn't have a chance to gig. I'm just lying because I'm delirious at this point. The doctor comes over and he's looking at me. And he's like, hey, man, good gig. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Hard way. He's like, I'm not an asshole. I saw you drop down. And then I saw you come up under the ring. If I go out there, I'm going to find your blade, aren't I? And I was like, yeah. He's like, good cut. It's fine. Don't be an asshole. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Cashmere comes up to me, and he's like, hey, that was shit was dope. You know, like, good match. Maybe I think we might use you guys in the future. I'm like, all right, cool. And then there's just this commotion. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then Matt, you can, you can, you at this point, you can chime in with the rest of the story. So... There's a reason that this was the one time I was in the ring with Brad and he was a bloody mess and I was scared. It's because I was approached by his mother <laughs> in the Roller King. <clears throat> and she's like, hey, Matt, what, what, what's going on? Um, how's Brad doing back there? I'm like, the doctor's with him. He, he's fine. He, he's, he's getting cleaned up. And she, was, and she goes, did he do that to himself? And I looked at <laughs> said, I gotta go. <laughs> and um, so now she's yelling at me. <laughs> and that's when the commotion starts, and Brad can take it back from here. So I look up, and I realize the commotion is my mother trying to get backstage because she does not believe that Matt has to go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> so she's like, my, 
my mother and my girlfriend are practically dragging Matt by the ear back in the locker room at this point. And I didn't want to say who didn't let my, my mom backstage at VWA, but it was probably, I, I'm pretty sure it was either Rich or Rich and Sposto, but I'm going to say it was Rich. Uh, so Rich sees my mom coming and just like, I'm out. I'm going to go over here now because she sees my mom is on the war path. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's just like, Brad, did, what was that? And I'm like, yeah, I probably told you that was going to happen. And she's like, probably your godmother is out there crying right now. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. <sighs> so like, I kind of get up and I'm kind of still covered in blood, but I'm kind of cleaned up. The, the wound is stopped. You know, it's, it's been patched. We, co- we go out of the locker room and I'm apologizing that they had to see that. Now, I did kayfabe my own family. I told my mother it was hard way. Hey, Drew kind of did, Drew didn't let my hands go. I hit the post. I cut, you know, and they're okay with it. Drew even apologizes. Like, Drew is like, hey, I should have let go of his hands. We could have, you know, that we were in the heat of the moment, yada, yada, yada. I kayfabe my mother, my stepfather, my, my, my godmother, her husband. They all get kayfabed. They don't, they don't know I caught myself. I think years later I told them, but they didn't care at that point. I told Ashley, of course, like she had to know. But, um, so I smoothed it over. It wasn't great, but I smoothed it over. Another funny part of that story that you might not know, Matt, I don't think you know this either, Eric. There was, remember we had, me and, me and Joe and Frank had a manager. We had Ronnie Reigns as our manager. Yes. Buddy. Yeah, but I love Ronnie Reigns. Um, he would come up with people, like fans from that area where he was from would come up with them. There was a girl there who came up with them who had, like, was giving me the I want to fuck you stare most of the night. And Ashley hadn't saw it, and she was not happy about it. So this girl was kind of like out there, like, "Oh, are you okay?" And Ashley storms over, and I was like, "Oh, baby, I'm so happy you're okay." And starts making out with me as I'm covered in blood. And she's like, "I will kill that rat just so you know." And I'm like, "Uh huh." I gotta go to the bathroom and get cleaned up. Like, I took off for the bathroom. <laughs> I did not. I did not know about that. I'm like, and this, it's so. It's at this point, it's what it's. February of, of, of 07, January of 07, me and Ashley had only been together for like eight months. And she's like, I will kill that rat. Do you understand me? And I was like, uh-huh, I got you. And she's like, I'm not fucking around. And I'm like, yep, uh-huh. And so, I married that woman. <laughs> and then I divorced that woman. Step back just one second here to the uh, Eliminator match. Yeah. So I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the list, Matt. This was actually the last match you refereed for me until 2013. Yes. So, Brad and I have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to go make some tea. I'm still listening, but I'm going to go make some more tea. Rock and um, roll. And, and just because you're going to hear the name come up a bunch, um, just to clarify, Brad was once married to a woman named Ashley. Yes. I am married to a different woman named Ashley. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It might get confusing. <laughs> If you listen to Matt's um, podcast and you hear him bring up his wife, and we're going to talk about my ex-wife. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you've heard me speak of Ashley before. This is a different woman with the same very common first name. 
we, we come back to Roller King, and now on April 14th, 2017, match 279, Brad works the other half of the Turner and Franco tandem, one-on-one with Anthony Franco. Yeah, so I think Franco at this point was, like, kind of already out of the business, or, like, wasn't doing a bunch, maybe? But, like, Rich wanted to book him against me because I had fought Turner and it made sense and yada, yada, yada. I remember this match only from, like, bits and pieces because, like, I had wanted to work with Franco again. And I was like, yo, this is great. But I wasn't thrilled. I think at this point I was kind of starting to be on the outs with people because, like, Rich was like, no, we're going to put him over you. And I was like, he's never worked here before. Like, and I'm kind of a top guy. Like, I don't understand. He's like, no, it's cool. And I'm like, all right. But then, you remember this, Matt? Like, we did a a thing where, like, Halo came back. Yes. And then, like, there was a whole thing. And, like, I don't remember, like, I remember, like, he moonsaulted on a mean Frank. And was that during the match or after the match? Like, See, I thought that was the Turner match, not the Franco match. I don't remember that being in the Turner. No, because I was, I watched the, the, the Turner match. And there was no Larry in that. Okay, like Larry Halo doesn't pop up in that at all. I remember Larry coming back, but yeah, I I with it being thirteen, almost fourteen years ago. Of course, it's interchangeable, kind of at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think he's. I think he pops up in the Franco match because I haven't watched the Franco match. I have watched the Turner match recently. So like, yeah. I don't, like, it was, like, I remember he came back, and it was a whole thing. They were going to restart that feud of me and him from, like, what, three years, four years prior to that? No, at this point, it was, what, I was, I was six? Like, was like, eight <laughs> years, seven yeah. years prior? <sighs> I got to I gotta pop in real quick. Um, yeah. I just I just remembered why I don't have a match on this show in February. Uh-huh. It is because um, a, a very good professional wrestler drove all the way from New Jersey as a rookie, to help unload the ring, take it to Roller King, load it into the ring, and then he was going to stay after and help with teardown, and somebody wasn't going to book him. So I gave him my spot on the show. That's that, the night. I, that's why I don't have a match on this show. I gave my spot up to give because he did that and wasn't going to get booked. Crazy. But yeah. That goes back to Eric just being a, a, a fucking really good brother from day fucking one. That's yeah, right. I just remember that. I was like, holy crap. That's, I was like making my tea. I was like, wait, I gotta run in here and unmute really quick. <laughs> well, don't run off because the next match is one of my favorite stories in wrestling history for me. Probably not for Brad. Uh, because we are at another skating rink. <laughs> this time in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. It is May 18th, 2007, and in a three-way dance for the number one contendership for the vacant <laughs> RPWF Heavyweight Championship, uh, because the champion was being determined later that night. It was um, number one contendership for the vacant RPWF Heavyweight <laughs> Championship. Wait, I thought it was the heavyweight title. No, it was definitely the cruiserweight belt, which is why I was confused I was even in the match to begin with. Which, that makes the story even better, because yeah. it's Brad taking on Dan Champion and Nick Destiny. Match there is so 291. Much, there is so much to unplug here in this match. Like, so this might be, like, the first or second time I'm working for RPWF, which is the real pro wrestling federation out of the Poconos, run by Ralph Ray and Jody Ray. 
and yeah, they're like, we, we're going to book you. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I was like, I get there that night and they're like, oh, it's a three way. And I'm like, cool. And they're like, it's for the number of contendership for the cruiserweight title. And I'm like, what? Cause I'm fat. Sure. And they're like, you're going to put Danny Rage, Dan Champion, and this guy, Nick Destiny. And I was like, oh, who's Nick Destiny? He's like, we ain't here yet. I'm like, all right, cool. So he gets there and he's like, he comes up and he introduces himself. They kind of point, hey, this is, he's, this is the guy in your match. Dan's not here yet. When he gets here, you know, we'll introduce you. And Nick starts telling me his life story. And I'm there with Frankie because Frankie at this point is my manager. And he's like, all right, man, listen, uh, I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, this is my first match back in a long time. We come back from injury. I look at Frank and I'm like, oh, okay. All right, then. Yeah, so this is cool. It's a three-way, so we won't do much. He's like, no, 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 listen. I can let you right know right now. I'm like half metal. And I'm like, excuse me? He's like, I was in a pretty bad car accident. I should be dead. I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, so like half my body is made of metal. And I was like, like a cyborg? He's like, yeah, I guess so, man. Just want to let you know, like, it might hurt when I hit you. And I was like, wait, why? He's like, because, you know, I'm half metal. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm just now like, what am I getting myself into here? And then he starts calling the match to me. And I was like, yo, you need to you need to chill out. Because, like, Dan's not even here yet. And he's a part of this. So we need to call this match with Dan. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So, like, Danny and Sip and, and, and Lucky all show up, and he talks to Dan, and we all, we're all there together, and looks at Dan, and the first thing he says is, hey, man, my name's Nick, I'm, I'm made of half metal. And Lucky goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And I just <laughs> turned around and I walked away. Uh, so this match... I'm sitting there, we call the match, and it's a train wreck, and they want Nick to go up on me and Dan, so, like, I hate to sound, like, weird or unprofessional, because at this point, I'm only, like, less than a decade in the business, I shouldn't have this much chip on my shoulder, be this much of a prick, and Dan had, at this point, had even less time than I did in, and we know this match is going to be a train wreck, and they want to put this guy up, and I look at Dan, and I said, Dan, I don't, I don't care, he's like, yeah, me either, and... So he's like, I'm like, I got Frank at ringside, and he's like, all right, well then I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring JC Ryder and, and Lucky to me at ringside. So it's a whole clusterfuck. So me and Frank come out, and then Nick comes out to paralyze her. Uh, <laughs> who's joke nine or finger eleven? Someone I don't know, whatever. And he's doing, which we've made a we've made a living meme of this since this day. He gets on the top rope or the middle rope and he's doing the the motion where he like, I want the belt, I'm the champion thing. Like so to this day, AJ Evers will just do that. And like it's just the funniest shit ever. Give me the belt. I'm the belt. I'm a champion. It's not for the belt. It's for the number of contendership to fight for the belt. You freaking mark. And Danny comes out and now Orange Cassidy and Lucky are wearing sombreros. <laughs> and, like, uh, <laughs> Orange Cassidy is crip-locking to the ring. And it's just like, oh, we're in for a treat. We're in for a treat. To and add some act- power to that. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the locker room was where they kept all the costumes for birthday parties. 
Oh, you had to go up the spiral staircase to even get to it. Yes. So imagine 30 wrestlers trying to bring gear bags up a spiral staircase into a locker room that just houses furry costumes. <laughs> There's a picture floating around from that night of Porter wearing a Pikachu head. Yes. <laughs> remember, Christian, is, remember Christian was on this show? One half was, of Edge of Christian. I was just, I was actually just going to tell that story of Hydra drawing on his muscles with the Sharpie <laughs> and Christian looking at him going, I've been doing this wrong for so long. <laughs> also, Christian gets there and he's like, glad handing and Ralph was like, oh, the locker was right in here and you go up this and Christian goes, I'm not, I'm not going to a fucking spiral staircase. I'm just going to get changed right here. <laughs> so he set up shop at the bottom of the staircase. This is fucking ridiculous. Much like this match was. The match itself is a train wreck, too, because Nick is called all these spots. Like, me and Dan know what we want to do. We lay it out, but he wants to do, like, 10,000 things. And, he's, and again, he hasn't wrestled in, like, three and a half years because he got into a serious freaking car accident where he should have died. So how about you don't want to do every spot in the world? So we call the spot where, like, me and Dan double whip him. Dan does a drop down. Nick comes over Dan, and I give him the a spine buster. So call it, hey, Darth, here comes the drop-down spine buster. With him off, he comes over Dan. He barely steps over. I go down to the spine buster. He's already trying to jump up. We botch it. He looks up at me. I just punch him in the face, pick him back up, and rons him and spine buster him right back down. And I'm like, can we go to the finish, please? And then I think the finish, like, I think I took, like, the, the big running big boot from Dan and just, I, like, shit-canned myself to the, to the middle and the outside. And Frank comes over. I'm like, Frank, just tell me the match is over so I can get up. And literally, like, I think the match ended, like, maybe 10 seconds after that. And I'm like, I remember, like, looking up at DJ and Sposo in the crowd and being like, why am I even here? Like, what the, why did I come out tonight? Ugh, Christ. <laughs> I remember Dan took the finish, um, and I have this match on a DVD somewhere. Of course. (laughs) And sometimes we'll revisit it for laughs. Dan took a German or a Northern Lights suplex, got pinned, sat up, and like rolled out of the ring and just walked away like nothing had happened. It sounds so unprofessional that we would do that, but like the kid was just like he was such a train wreck that it was just like I don't. I don't want to respect you at all. And that, that sounds terrible to say, uh, you know, like, but man, he didn't, he didn't show us any respect and we didn't show any respect back to him. So then we move along a couple of weeks later. and uh, It's a much better matchup at this point. Uh, Valley Championship Wrestling again. Uh, Joe is back. And yes. uh, he's teamed with Brad here as he takes on, as they take on um, Camp Aries of Tuck Hansen and my guest on this show two weeks from now, Shane Storm. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I think Joe had come back. I think Rich was just like, I think when Lisa B came back, Rich kind of talked Joe back into the fold of like, hey, come back to this thing with us. It's BCW, it's a thing, and at some point I'm going to put the belt on you. So Joe was like, okay, that we'll do, let's do this for a little bit. Let's see, let's see where this goes. So me and Joe tagging against uh, Stormer and Tuck. Uh, I know this match was fun because we just that it was this was up in the uh, the fire hall up in uh yeah up in mountaintop 
and that place was just a cool little venue. Uh, and the only thing I really remember from this match is the spot where, like, so, like, we've known Chainstorm forever, so, and I've been dying to work him, so to be able to work him in this tag environment was fun. And we're used to the spot where he would, like, he would bump the dude on the outside, and he would do the, uh, the, 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 the suicide dive into the, into the senton on the floor. I remember that, that was one thing I called. I was like, hey, man, can you hit me with that? And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, are you cool? He's like, yeah, you want to take it? I'm like, sure, man. And I was like, I vividly remember him giving me that spot still. Who won this match? I don't remember at all. <laughs> I have no idea who. I'm assuming we went up, but I could be wrong. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming someone, I'm assuming someone took the big hit, and that was that. Um. Well, you don't remember that match. I'm sure you remember a lot about this next one. We fast forward almost a year, and we are in Mount Carmel, Pennsylvania. I don't know if Eric knows this story. Oh. It is Groundhog Day 2008, match 325 in the book. Listen to this team. Brad, Vin Gerard, Frankie Angelini, Matt Turner, Mike Collis, and Jamie Magnum. All on one team. <laughs> Again. Um, Chill, Big Papa Chill, the only person I know in this match. Also, some guy named Amadeus, uh, some other guy named Rich Havoc, Evan Underwood, Frankie Frizzo, and Mike Christian. This was bad with like seven Ds. This is for this was was for yeah Bears promotion, right? Yeah, it's for PCWA. Ugh. This match can can kiss my entire ass. Wasn't. I guess Vaughn wasn't in this match, but this match was bad. Um, I think we only had Jamie Madden because someone had a pullout in us. Maybe Joey couldn't make it, but it was supposed to be like an entire like I think it was it meant to be like an entire deep hook crew. But we had we had to put Jamie Madden in there at the last minute. This match was just like a fucking utter train wreck. Like Frankie, poor Frankie is like wearing like my hand me down tights, like. I think he's wearing, like, Drew's, like, uh, barbed wire pants that he had, and then, like, uh, one of my blue tops to kind of match what my color scheme was. And, like, it was just rough, rough, rough. Um, this, this kind of, should have been a, a tag, it should have been a regular tag match at some point or something like that, but, like, putting ten of these guys who... I mean, the only person on our team who had any kind of semblance putting together a match like this would have been Jerry working with Chikara. And I think he tried to give his two cents any chance he could in the back while this was being called, and it was just shot down. And what's funny about that is that this was an elimination match, and yeah. I had Jerry on the, on this podcast, and he remembers the story as they were so excited to have Vin Gerard on their show, and then he got himself eliminated 45 seconds in. I thought Jerry was the first one out. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that stands out about this show as a whole, because this match is a train wreck, so I don't, even, I don't really talk about that much. There's two things from this show. Um, us walking to get food prior to the show and seeing the, the Nazi flag in that dude's apartment window and being like, oh, we need to get the hell out of this place as soon as possible. Like, were you, the, you, were, you were on that walk with us, right? Yes, I was. I remember... We walked out of this house, and it's a double block, painted yeah. half and half, 
down the middle, like one of those wacky sitcoms where the roommates argue and they cut the apartment in half. Now, Matt, it would uh, be funny if it, was, if it was painted the other way, like top and bottom. Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so, you know, you just ruined this entire analogy for me. But <laughs> one window had a Nazi flag and another window had an SS flag. And the truck in front of the house had a fireman's bar on top of it. And I was like, there are people that this man is not going to save if they're on fire in this town. That's, yeah, God bless Mount Carmel for just being a complete, utter train wreck. And I never went back. Yeah, and the only thing about, the other thing about this whole show was Mike Vaughn was in something on this show. He was in a tag match or something like it, maybe like an elimination match, some shit like that. And um, he got bumped to the outside. And Rock and Rebel was in the crowd, like watching the match. I think he was the he was the license. He probably had a match. Like walked up to Vaughn. Now, Rebel was even in this fucking match, and full on back chops Mike on the floor for no reason. And I remember this because his Mike Vaughn's at that time girlfriend gets up and like tries to go after Rock and Rebel, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, we need to get the hell out of here as quickly as possible for there's a fucking murder in Mount Carmel. Ugh. It was a bad night all around. I remember it was snowing and Turner yeah. rented a car. Terrible. Uh, that, that was for all of us to get down there together. And then we were like, we need to get the fuck out of here when we can. Just a shit show. I don't think I've worked for Jad Bear since then. So I Neither could be wrong. have I. <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm probably so from, not. From, from there, we go to Fernwood. Yeah. Uh, May 25th, 2008, match 346 in the book. It's Brad and Chuck Hansen in a singles match. But that's not the real story here. Let's tell the story of prior to wrestling real quick. Before we get to the real story here, um, VCW had died another fiery death. And, and Rich had thought, I still want to, I still want to promote. I've got these backing money backer guy. He wants to do a big show. I'm going to create a new promotion. Which just ended up being prior wrestling. And then somehow, like, we're totally out of our comfort zone. Like, cause we're from Nepo. We're in, like, the Wilkes-Barre area, which is where we usually promote for VCW and such. And then, like, because the money guy wanted a big show, he, like, had Rich rent Bush or Fern, Fernwood? Fernwood. It was Fernwood. In the Poconos, which is, this building had housed, like, Monday Night Raws in the early days of Monday Night Raw. Like, they would do TV taping. WWE would do TV taping there. So this place was big. And, like, he booked Al Snow on the show. And, like, it was a deal. Like, it was a big deal. And um, and it drew nobody. Like, this show was, like, negative people were at it. Like, I felt terrible. But, like, it was bad. And, like, yeah. But I got to work with Tuck Hansen. And I've known... I've known Tuck for as long as I've known, like, as long as I've known Vaughn, you know, if not longer. Tuck used to do backyard when I was doing backyard stuff, too. So me and Tuck always had fun. Um, but, yeah, the real story isn't really about the match itself. I do remember being stupid in the match and giving Tuck a suplex on the floor in Fernwood, which, uh, if you've ever been in that building, is just carpeted and it's just concrete under there. And we, I think him the suplex, and we both were just like, we both 
immediately lost all the air in our lungs. We're like, <gasps> bad idea. Uh-huh. I don't know what the finish was, but I'm pretty sure I went up on him. Maybe? I don't know. I but think I had to have. Yeah, and I had Paul with me. I think after the match, we're like beating down Tuck. And then Vaughn comes out, and we beat up Vaughn. And then, I guess this is the meat and the potatoes of the story. Uh, out comes for the save, the third member of their team, and that man is uh, uh, Big Rig Birdley. And um, we, me and him just started throwing punches and uh, hockey fight situation. They had to have, like, all the security. And I think all, they, this was, like, 10, 15 guys security in there and pull us apart. And the idea being that, like, Rich wanted to listen to a line, you know, like, the Hartram Office little things with me and Joey and, like, somebody else was still, like, a thing against, like, Tuck, uh, Vaughn, and Brody. And I was going to get a chance to, like, really throw down Brody Lee. And I was excited about this. And then, and then prior to WrestleTip event. And that was into that. And uh, that makes me sad because, you know, it, it can never happen now. And that, that really bums me out. Yeah. I remember Brody teaming with, with Vaughn and I think Cryptic Keegan. Oh, man. To, to start the show. And, like, it, it was cool. Like, there were, I remember part of it was bands, and I actually helped get bands for the show who also apparently did not draw people. And yeah. it was a bad day. It, it didn't make it, I mean, like, and again, I'm not trying to rag on anybody. Cause I try to keep the peace as much as possible these days, you know? I'm trying to be nice to everyone I can. I find that in my old age, it's easier to not have enemies. Um, but, like, a lot of things were hyped up for this show. You know, there was a money backer. Uh, everything was supposed to be paid for. You know, they, the Fernwood, which is kind of what they do with their with their talents, you use that, that center to give you, like, three or four villas. So, like, all the boys were staying in the villas. And we had to hype this up. But, again, when you're that far out of your home area, trying to promote a big show with all these bands and with Al Snow, it's hard. Especially in the Poconos, there's not much going on. Like, it's not like you're in Wilkes-Barre or Scranton where you can, like, go business to business and hype up stuff. And this is, like, early Facebook or, like, early MySpace. So there's like no online presence to like to make people care. So when it drew poorly, I know Rich was freaking out. I know his money backer was freaking out to the point where his money backer came in and just took the lockbox and left. So like at the end of the night, everyone needed to get paid, and it turned into like a thing. There's a picture that someone had. God only knows where it is of, like, this back staircase, like, in Fernwood that was leads up to these offices. And there's a picture of all the boys, like, lined up on the staircase, waiting to get in to get paid. And it was literally, like, craziness. And, you know, there's stories that, like, Al Snow held Rich up for more money, or, you know, and I can't confirm or deny any of that, but, like, as great as the show could have been. And, you know, the main event was... Was Devin Moore, Joe, you know Joe, uh, Joey Davino, and Al Snow in this great three-way dance, you know, and all the great undercards, and great bands, and like the whole thing just fell apart. And like 
it bums me out. You know, like, I, I take pride in the local scene especially. When things don't work out, it just sucks. It really does. Especially when okay. it surprised me of getting a chance to work with someone who, like, became one of the best big men in our business. And we we have all seen good days and bad days here in Nipa and, like, big crowds and tiny crowds. And we've all made it through. But this was really rough, um, obviously, especially for Rich. Yeah. And he he was put in a very bad position, which it is looked- not – it's not a take you're going to hear from a lot of people. No, and it's not. And I, you know, like, and I might get heat from people that we know because of this, but like, he was a puppet in that situation. Like, his money guy was pulling the strings. When his money guy came in and was like, "Give me that money, I'm taking off," because this didn't do anything like you said it was going to do. It put Rich behind an eight ball, and like, we've no Rich and his uh, his stubbornness and maybe his. Uh, bullheadedness kind of put him at odds with a lot of people that night. And I think that kind of set the tale for like how people perceive Rich for a long time. And it may be some of it was unjust. Some of it for other people is not unjust. I understand that. But like, yeah, that night set the table for a lot of bad things in, in the Nipah wrestling scene that looking through this list wasn't really rectified until, until John brought GSW to the area. You know, like, those bad business deals took a lot of, like, took away a lot of the good faith that NEPA had for professional wrestling. And, like, Glory Glory tried to bring, Glory brought it back a little bit, but then when John put it up and we we all kind of got on the same page, that's when things took off. Yes. But that's not for a while. That's not for Um, a and we are going to touch on one of those promotions here shortly. But before that, we go back to New York. <laughs> um, it is three, almost three years later, uh, January 28th, 2011. It is my debut. I don't know if it was yours. Uh, it was. 3DW at, at the um, American Legion in Binghamton. Post 80. And now. this is Br- Brad team with Matt Turner and Steve Hill. I don't know who that is. All right. Against... All right. Against Joe Post, Eric Draven, who I became, I believe just became Draven the one and only. Oh, that's who that was. Okay. I think. And Patrick McHugh, who I, I don't know who that is. You know who I am, man. So, this is your, so I don't know this is your debut in 3DW. This is ours, too. Uh, yeah. So, there's a big gap here between this match, between the last match and this match. I think that's just because I think you stopped working for Rich. Around that time? Yeah. Yeah, that's what this looks like. Yeah. Because <laughs> at one point, you're just like, I've had it, I'm done, no more of this bullshit. And you were gone, but I was not. Um, so that's, we kind of didn't cross paths for a little bit of time there. That's why there's a big time jump here. But yeah, if I remember correctly, that 3 w show, we drove up to that show, it was me, you, Turner, and AJ, and AJ's Jeep, right? Yes, and it's another <laughs> slow driving story. Oh, because it was ice team the entire way up and the entire way back. Yes. What I thought the show was getting there, they book us in the, they, they book us in the six man, and they're like, you're on the pre-show. And I'm like, all right, cool. And Matt, you're like, I, I got to ref the entire show. I think Decker was with us too, maybe. Yeah. Because there's a Decker story in here that I'm going to tell too, because it's funny, and I like telling it. But um, 
I forget who ran 3DW. His name is escaping me right now, but he's a, he was a good dude. Fred Spencer. That's what it was. Um, I don't know if he still is a good dude, but to us that night, he was a great dude. So, they're like, all right, you're going to go out in this six-man. You're going to go under, but you're not going to take the fall. And then yada, yada, yada. So, me and Turner go out there, and we're just killing it. Drew, Drew does this thing where he, like, goes to the crowd. Like, you see him punk thing where he goes in the crowd, and he's giving high flies. And Binghamton, even for the pre-show, was hot as an oven. And, like, we got such great heat in that match. And uh, I remember we got in the back, and Fred was like, oh, you guys are great. I can't wait to keep booking you guys. And I was like, right, next time I'll be in the main show, yada, yada, yada. I don't think 3DW ran all that much after that. I think Excite kind of came in, and that was into the hat. Because uh, 3DW didn't really go too much further past that, right? Am I correct? Uh I worked two more 3DW shows. Yeah. And I think they ran a couple more after that. And then uh, Moose came in and it became exciting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we're done. Me and Turner are done before the the first bell even rings for the night. And then, like, you guys have to be there to the rest. I think AJ may have been, like, up to the main event. So Drew was like, fuck this. I'm not driving tonight. I'm going to get drunk and I was like, all right. So we go across the street to that little Sunoco, and you can just buy, like, 40s in there. So Drew's like, this is when 4 Loco just came out. So it was, like, the high-octane, crazy 4 Locos. So he buys, like, two 4 Locos. Funny enough, he buys a Twisted Tea. I think he bought something else. And I don't drink at the time, so I'm like, we just head back over. And Drew's just downstairs. He opens his four loco and it literally smells like gasoline. It's hilarious how bad it smells. He's like drinking this. He's like, dude, this is rough. He's like, hey, Decker. And Decker is wrestling like all night. He's like, hey, Decker, you want some of this? So Decker being Decker, just like drinking the four locos, like just getting drunk while wrestling. At some point, I think Drew maybe finished one four loco and like the entire twist of tea. But like Decker now is just like drinking everything else he sees. So me and Drew were like, let's go up and watch the rest of the show. So the main event is a battle royal. And you see, like, I think you come out, and it's another ref, and here comes Decker. And Decker's drunk. Like, drunk as a skunk. Battle royal's going on. It's the shits. Some guy gets dumped out, and he's wearing jeans, and all this change falls out of the guy's pockets. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, get him out of there. And this place is still packed in the guilds. It's Binghamton, so it was hot. And Decker's like, he sees me and Turner off the side. He's like, guys, guys, there's like two bucks in change here. And he's like, he turns around. He's like picking up all the quarters. He turns back to us. He's like shaking his fist, all the money. He's like, guys, I got the money. And I'm like, Decker, turn the fuck around. And someone gets dumped over the top rope onto Decker. And Decker like drops on the chain from the floor. And I'm like, we gotta get out. We got we got to go home like ASAP. <laughs> uh, Decker, I'll never let him live down that story because it's hilarious. I think he hates my tell it, but it's fucking funny as shit. And now we'll live forever in this podcast recording. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, god damn it. And next week on um, the A Show, make sure you tune in when I ask Decker to recant the story. He won't remember any of it. He had, like, two Four Locos and most of Twisted Tea. He was drunk. 
And it was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I'll never forget it. I will never forget it as long as I live. Another thing that we will not forget, uh, a couple months later, uh, Shane Black, who we definitely trusted. Yes. And another guy who we shouldn't have, um, started a promotion called PWA. And at the first PWA show at the Nanakoke Armory on March 26, 2011, match 482, it's the Diamond City Kings, Matt Turner, and at that point, Bruno DeMeo, taking yep. on Tomahawk and Nikolai Volkov. This is one of my favorite stories. So, uh, this, I haven't worked a lot of names. I just, I just never, we never give them the opportunity to work any names, which is fine. You know what it is? It's, just, it's fine. Um, so when, when Shane Black came, was like, we're going to put you in Drew again, Tomahawk, who was like super over, and Nikolai Volkov, I was like, yo, let's go. So like me and, me and Drew, like we went to the internet and we were like watching all these old, like, Nikolai and the Sheik matches from, like, the 80s, and, like, I was, like, watching, like, all this prime Nikolai, even when he's in the Million Dollar Corporation, like, watching all that stuff to get prepped to work with Nikolai. We get to the show, and I realized that this vision of my head of Nikolai Volkov is not one of the man who was in the Russian National Anthem. He is the sweetest, kindest, gentlest Walmart dream you've ever met in your life. Because he actually was a Walmart Greek at this point in his life. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a good time, at least. Turns out that Tomahawk sold like 100 tickets to the show on his own. So that we had going out there is an understatement. So we called the match in the back. And I'm like, all right, you know, we're, we call our spots. And it's mostly like us cutting off, you know, them getting their shot in the beginning. Me and Turner are cutting them off, doing all of our heat to Tomahawk, and then the hot tag to Nikolai, and we go home. Super easy. You know what I mean? Like, and we're going to get tons of heat because it's Tomahawk's on the town. He sold a bunch of tickets. So I'm like, all right, Nikolai, come in from the hot tag. What do you want to do? He's like, uh, you know, bump, uh, bump, I'll, I'll bump you, big man. I hit the senton. And I was like, huh? He's like, the senton. Uh, no, no. Wait. Let's make sure that he is quoted properly. The the direct quote is, I do flip. Oh, yeah, I do flip. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, uh, just come in, uh, run in, I hit you, bump, uh, you bump, I bump you, big man, and I do flip. And then Tomahawk does the thing, and we're done. And I was like, no, 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 what do you mean do flip? <laughs> I've been watching Nikolai matches for like a month straight. I want to take that big, he used to this big lariat. Like, he used to this big clothesline. I'm like, dude, I'll take a neck bump. Like, I will land on my top of my head for you. Like, just hit me with that. He said, no, no. Just come in and uh, just run at me. I hit you. And then the little guy comes in. I hit him. He's talking to Turner, you know, because I was the big guy. And then you you, you get back up. I, I'm just going to bip you again and then stay down. And I do, the, I do flip. I'm like, oh, and then uh, Tomahawk hits his hits his top rope, and then we're done. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh. So I'm now I'm just dejected. So like, I'm like, I want to take that goddamn lariat, yada yada yada. So we get out there, and of course the match is amazing because 
any little thing we do to Tomahawk, we cut him off, we, we, we pull you, you know what I mean? Like, everything is so much heat. So, like, I'm fired up. Hot tag to Nikolai. The crowd goes banana. They go nuts. Nikolai comes in, and, like, at this point, we've been going kind of hot and heavy with fucking Tomahawk. So, like, I pop up for the hot tag to take the bump and feed, and Nikolai's barely through the ropes. And I'm like, uh-oh. Shit, I forgot he's 90. Like, crap. So, like, I do the stumble in, and he, he bips me. But, like... It, it's just like, boop. And I just take the biggest fucking flat back of your tape. And then Turner comes in. Boop. And Turner, here's the biggest flat back you can take. I come up. And again, I'm already, and I'm so fat this time, but I'm already up for Nick Vise to even hit Turner. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I pull him around. and It's not like a love tap. It probably looks great because the people, they were hot. But he hits me and I bump again. And I'm laying there, and I'm laying there, and I see Nick and Drew just doing the dead cell, because now we're supposed to be out of the match, you know what I mean? And I see Nikolai looking at me, he takes a step back, and he literally did a forward roll onto me. <laughs> I do flip. I do flip means I'm going to shoulder roll onto Brad's big fat belly. I mean, he wasn't lying. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Eric, out of nowhere, by the way. Shoulder uh, <laughs> rolls onto me, and I'm still big and fat. So, and I have to sell like I just got like a fucking Jeff Hardy swanton. So I do the big like, like I, look, I just sell like oversell it. Like, like, so I don't, I'm a dick. And then like Tom Hawk hit with like a top rope like splash, and that was in the match. But that finished him hitting him hitting the, the I do flip. People were like, what? Like, people didn't know what to think. And I, the fact that I oversold it like Sean did to fucking Hogan in 05, yeah, it made tons of sense. And that, was, that was a lot of fun. I had a good time. It was so much fun. And I just remember, like, you, Nikolai goes, I do flip you. Like, Matt, he, 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 he said Larry, right? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I no. heard it, please. No, I, I didn't hear Larry, and I'm sorry. I heard uh, I. And that is the only time PWA will come up tonight. Because now, finally, we're at GSW. At this point, Garden State Wrestling. We are in Newton in the gym at Sussex County. Uh, match 499. You were so close to being 500. Um, it is the Pennsylvania State Athletic Coalition. <laughs> um, this night, it's you and Collis, I believe. Is this me and Carlos? Um, there's a picture, and for a long time, it was your photo ID on my phone <laughs> and, of AJ on your shoulders, like, in a suit. Oh, yeah. You hold up the state flag. Um, and you had Kev, too. So, like, it was all over the place. Was, and so, I was a king at this point, but I was teaming. Was AJ hurt? He may have been. That makes sense. I had Kev. That means I was I was a king because Kev was managing us at that point as, you know, as Coach Skull. But he was also the coach of the PSAC. Yes, which I think is how he brought me in. That's right. Um, and you guys went against Steve McKenzie and Steve Cruz, the Killer Steves. I, I don't remember too much about this. I remember that picture. I remember, like, 
being behind the curtain and being like, AJ, get on my shoulders. And he's like, what? I'm like, get on my goddamn shoulders. It would be hilarious. Uh, we came out doing that whole thing. And then, well, let's remember about the match. The, uh, this was like the original GSW ring that had the super loose ropes that we can never get tight. And uh, poor Steve Cruz, like, I think at some point, we, it was like right for the hot tag. Or maybe it was the, the hot tag, the bump and feed. He came out with the stinger splash, and, like, Mir Collins had a move. And uh, he came in too hot, and the, the top rope, like, almost collapsed in. And he blasted his head off the off the uh, the the, uh, the post and put himself wide open. And I remember Crew was just like, we went to the finish, like, right after that. I think we may have just rolled them up at that point. But he was, like, cursing John's name, like, fuck this ring, fuck this promotion, like, while getting pinned. Because he got split open real bad. Uh, but yeah, he he was not happy. He was hot. He wasn't hot at us. He was hot. At, he was hot at the ring. Hot at John. You know what I mean? But those, I think even if Eric was there, that ring could not have been salvaged. That no, that was not even the weirdest part of our weekend because the next day <laughs> we get in the car and drive the other direction to go to primetime wrestling outside of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Um, in match 502 in the book, um, it is the Diamond City Kings of Bruno and Mike Vaughn against <laughs> D-Line. I think this was Vaughn's first night as a king. Um, I, 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 th- th- I this was a night. Um, and before, right after, or maybe right before us at Vista. Was it VCW that Rich ran at 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 at, at the fucking in Nanak not Nanakoke, in Plymouth? Wasn't that Air- Keystone? Keystone. Yeah, yeah. So I think Vaughn turned at some point and became like part of the DCK. Like he he like helped us win the the tag titles like in a cage match. Those are right around the same time, I think. Maybe a month after this or a month before this, but whatever. Um, so before we get to the match. Let's set the stage for the evening, because this show was a fundraiser for a family who had just lost their husband slash father of the kids. Um, we go out to the ring, and they air this video package that was made in, like, Windows Movie Maker 3. Um, you can still see all, like, the – they didn't take any of the, any of the watermarks off. It was just the best. And um, – what 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 was playing the Pearl Jam song? Yeah, it was a, it was a very sad Pearl Jam song. Um, and but it wasn't really appropriate for the situation. Maybe it was his favorite song. I think it was Black by Pearl yeah, Jam. I think so, yeah. And we later found out that he had died of a drug overdose. And here's Shirt Edge Brad at the ring, being like. Wait a minute. Like, it, I think it came out, like, during the fucking, like, during the, the video tribute that, like, this guy died of an OD. And, and, and like, here, on the show? Like, what the fuck? We're at ringside together, me and Brad. And um, we're just like, hold on. <laughs> I think we did that show for, because I think it was a benefit. We didn't get paid for that. No. Um, and Vaughn should have gotten paid that night for sure. <laughs> Well, Poor Vaughn. Well, 
Um, for the D-line. The D-line were two six-foot-four, 285-looking football players. I had met these guys when when I worked, me and Turner were working down at uh, National Championship Wrestling for Mass and Mike down in, down in uh, Delaware. And um, so I knew these dudes. So when I found out I was working them that night, I was like, oh, good. You know, at least I know I'll get a, I'll get a good match. And then I realized, oh, these guys are going to murder me. <laughs> and I just worked the night before against Steve and Steve. And don't get me wrong. Steve's are easy to work, but Cruz hits hard. So I look at Vaughn and I go, hey, man, welcome to the team. You're taking the heat. <laughs> He's like, wait, what? And now Vaughn at this time was still like super skinny, like next to no muscle. Bless him. You know what I mean? I made him take the heat from these jacked up dudes and they beat the crap out of Vaughn. They should have given him the fucking, the money for that benefit show. He needed it. The poor kid destroyed. I think, I think the bag and I, I, I bumped his feet everybody and they cut me off and they pinned Vaughn. Like, <laughs> it was just like the most ridiculous thing. I'm like, nope. I ain't taking none of this noise. <laughs> I, I think uh, Jordan Loftus in the main event Battle Royal took less damage than Vaughn did in this match. You imagine, oh my god, that's right, he was in that match. Um... It's a poor Mike. Um, I put him some shit. Not gonna lie. Um, and then you find yourself in the ring with Mike again. There's a couple matches here we'll talk about from the same day. It wasn't hard to have several matches this day because it was like a 14 hour day. Um, we're, at, we're at GSW in the middle of a of a busy intersection in Newark that is closed. Um, it is the GSW Tag Team Title Tournament. Uh, match 528, taking on Team Ryan, which is Vaughn and Acid Zero. And then for about four seconds later on, Dariq was finest in the finals. <laughs> we had, yeah, we had three matches that night. All right, was it three? Well, you had to have, but I did not ref the you one in the middle. The first. Yeah, all right, that's right. Yeah, I forget who even worked that second match. Doesn't matter. Uh, yes, yeah, so we worked Team Ryan, which was a weird name for a team. I think it was like, when Twilight was out, so people were either like Team Jacob or Team whatever, and Vaughn was, or, or Zero was a spooky goth kid, so they went with the Team Ryan name, which I guess makes no sense at all, but again, whatever. Um, this show, was that like, was it like a police, like, it was like a block party type deal, right? Yeah, it was a, like a fundraiser for, um, a biker police group? Sure, in Newark. And they shut down, like, multiple city blocks for this. They put the ring up in the middle of this intersection of a closed-down street. But, like, the barbecue situation was, like, a half a block away, behind a closed door, that we were all told, hey, when you get here, park in a certain place, come to this this diner where our locker room is going to be, and you're all going to get wristbands to go in and get all the free food, all the barbecue you want. Well, that was a lie. <laughs> I, think, I think the company, the company being people who put the, put the barbecue on, only gave John, like, two wristbands for everybody. But 
I think only one person can go in and get food. So, like, it turned into a, no one can get food, which was the worst. And, like, I think we strong-armed our way into, like, the basement of this diner to get changed in. And, like, we were there for, like, from, it felt like sun up to sundown doing this show. And, um, yeah, I mean, working with Vaughn and Zero was always super easy because Zero can do whatever and Vaughn is Vaughn. But I knew we had three shows, three matches that show, and I was like, I don't want to be out here for long. So that match, I think, went like six minutes, and we went to the back, and we just relaxed or tried to relax because it was like a hundred degrees outside in the freaking sun, with bikers everywhere, and people didn't care, and images out there doing this weird. <sighs> anyway, I three four second matches against, but we beat them kind of not handily, but we knew like. Turner's like, I don't want to be here anymore. We need to get this show going. We're going way too long, which leads us to the, the finals of this tournament against Brickwood's Finest. We figure we don't want to be here because if, if we wait for this match to end and then the rest of the other two matches and then we have to go on again, we wouldn't get out of there till after sundown. So, like, I think I think we... we or did you ref the match that was in the ring? No, you brought me with you. We did. So, like, we, 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 we go to Gorilla. We tell John what we're going to do. We had worked it out, like, maybe, like, literally while the match was going on, Brick was finest, while they were in the ring with whoever their finish, like, whoever their match was. We're like, fuck it. We grabbed you. We're telling you, as soon as, they, as soon as the bell rings for that match, we're going to hit the ring, lay them out, tell them what's going on, and go right to the match. But the idea was, we hit the ring, we just tell them, double whip us, double pin us, we're going home. So they beat whoever they beat. John's like, do whatever you want at this point. John's like, John's just so mad at the whole day. He's like, I don't care. Sure, do that. Slide in with you. I took one in the one corner, drew to the other corner. We're hitting them, and I'm like, reverse the whip. Me and Drew are going to hit each other. Schoolboy us. You're off. And they're like, okay. Like, thankfully, those they were cool with, like, just being like that. So we whip, reverse, me and Drew collide heads. They schoolboy us. One, you count the one, two, three, and they leave. So the the best part of this, not, like, the quick thinking of me and Turner and getting you involved, was that after the match, me and Turner started coughing you on the outside. And I'm like, they hooked my tights. I'm wearing shorts. And you're like, sh- you're doing the thing where like Drew shoves you, you shove him back, he takes the bump. You think you did it to Kev? At one point, I'm trying to show you how much they hooked my tights, or I just take my shorts off, and I'm like waving my shorts in front of your face. And you like threw me to the ground, like literally, it's the most, it's the most bonkers thing. And we're in public, like we're in, a- <laughs> and I'm like getting naked, and like they pulled my. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I don't even know. I just want to go home. We all did. <laughs> there were two rain delays. Like, it was the longest day. <laughs> it was so dumb. It was so dumb. Hey, Eric, you still alive? Yeah, I was just going to say, I was actually about to chime in. I am glad I didn't come back around until after that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were very close to me coming back around, though. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We're there. <laughs> and that happens in the meantime between... This match that we just had, and the next match, we are in German, Pennsylvania. 
um, at the former Eleanor Rigby's or Three Kings or whatever the yeah. hell it was called. I saw Newfound Glory there once. That was fun. So the Fox and Souls there. I saw the Ataris there, too. Nice. And on this night, um, Havoc and A.C. Anderson, poor Havoc and A.C. Anderson, had to wrestle every tag team in WXWC4 yep. <laughs> in the span of 20 minutes. And part yep. of that was the Diamond City Kings of, I believe, Brad and Tuck Hansen. Yep. I think Tuck had already been there. And I had been trying to get into, into WXW forever. So, like, Tuck's like, hey, it's local to your house. They want to book a local tag team. So you're booked with me. I'm like, all right, cool. And we're getting there. I'm like, at this point, I think Trotsky was back in the fold. And the Rosh was there. And they were doing this stuff with, like, BYOB. And uh, I find the locker, I find the locker room. And I'm getting changed. And I remember Suede walks in and sees me changed. And, like, jokingly is like, oh, man, I guess I'll just book any jabroni anymore. And then walked out of the room. I was like, this makes sense. Yeah, I've only waited 10 years to be working here. And you're going to just rid me unmercifully. So, yeah, uh, Havoc and Anderson had to work every tag team in the company in a gauntlet match. And I felt so bad for these guys. Because <laughs> every tag team wanted to do, like, 10,000 spots. And they had to, like, remember everything. So, like, I remember me and Tuck were just, like, I think we went to them. We're just, I think we were, like, one of the last three matches they had in the gauntlet. And we're, like, I think me and Tuck called this really basic stuff. Like, we called, like, hey, we'll do this double team. We'll go out here and we'll do this. And you hit us with this thing, we're done. And I think we only had, like, they only gave us, like, three minutes the whole thing. But me and Tuck called everything for them. And they were so thankful that there wasn't, like, a million high spots getting into the three minutes. And I was, too, because... Uh, Junie Havoc can hit hard and in those three minutes at that point he was like he had already been there for like 20 minutes and he was just frustrated you could tell him and Anderson just wanted to get out of there we just took our beat and we left man that's what that was and I don't think I've I don't think I've worked for C4 since then not, not against my own trying you know but I mean, it is what it is I think Eric had more C4 matches than I have and we're going to talk about one of those, just one, in a little bit. Uh, but we have one more match to talk to before we take another break here and bring Eric back into the fold. And it's again with Bariqua's Finest. We are now back at the gym in Newton on November 10th, 2012, match 628. What was supposed to be the Diamond City Kings of Brad and Turner becomes the Diamond City Kings of Brad and Coach Leroy Skull. This is a Friday show, I believe. Yes. Because, and I know that because that's why Turner couldn't make it. He couldn't get out of work. So I think I rode down there with Alex, uh, with Jordan Loftus, and whoever his the, his coach guy he had with him, like his, <laughs> and, and and Jordan's girlfriend. And I sat in the back and I had to put earbuds in because Jordan Loftus's friend, who was his manager that night, wouldn't stop talking about all the gimmicks he wanted to do. In one night, and I was like, I can't deal. I'm already can we talk about that for a second? You can, please. Because so, I, I don't know when you're going to have that guy on your show, but I mean. So, um. <laughs> never. Um, so, we're, we're down there, and like, 
the girls portion of the show is happening because there is a women like a women's portion at the beginning oh, and yeah. then and then um and then there's the GSW part. This was the night where we did the pay-per-view on uh, Go Fight Live and AJ was watching in Washington DC and when the pay-per-view started, it was Image teaching the college baseball team how to run the ropes. Yes, that was like, a you can watch for years with Image running the ropes. <laughs> Which, if I was anyone tuning in, I'd be like, I've never watched this show. I don't care who's on it. No. So, this guy approaches Rebecca, my, my sister, in the locker room. She was doing the governess thing. And he just looks, and unsolicited, says to her, and I quote, So I wanted to wear a hat. <laughs> she says, she goes, Yeah. <laughs> he starts to talk about how he made this hat, um, which actually he did not make because, as it's cooking for me now, he was a physical therapist because Jordan was coming back from being hurt. That's what it was. Yes. And um, he was supposed to be Jordan's physical therapist. So he, well, he did not make a hat that said PT on it. He probably took his kid's Little League hat for Pittston Township and wore it <laughs> as his physical therapist hat. That makes a lot of sense. Um, he goes, sense a lot of people would know I'm a physical therapist, so I wore a hat that said PC on it. And Rebecca's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he thought, just walks away. He thought Rebecca was, in, was legitimately the governess. Like, he thought she ran the show. She's like, it's a gimmick, right? you know? Like, <laughs> And then later, we're at... Later, we're at this diner. Uh, oh, when, God. At, at the diner is where the aggro cup was invented. Yep. And Kev's in the bathroom after one of the tag titles with you. This dude walks up to the next urinal. Wait, wait a again, again, unsolicited, walks to Kev and goes, so I have three kids. <laughs> While Kev's taking a piss. And Kev's like, uh-huh. And, and then... <laughs> And and that that's the end of awkward physical therapist guy. So let's talk about oh god this match. So uh, I feel bad not remembering the Brickless Finest guy's name, but didn't one of them like wasn't this a punishment like them losing the belts was punishment because one of them flaked out on a show to go to like a water park? So here's what happened. Yeah, please I, I forget this stuff. You think you were you were booking at the time, so this makes sense. You can tell me because I forget. Yes, so Decker and I were booking. Um, Greek was finest, Juan Jeremy and Richie Perez yes. were the tag champs. Um, Richie Perez, the day of another show, the previous show that was outside in the pavilion where, where Image wrestled Sean Carr, yes. um, was supposed to go to a wedding with his girlfriend. Before the wedding, his girlfriend broke up with him. So instead of coming to the show... He went to Six Flags. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> so Decker and I were like, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> and one point you. Juan Jeremy's a good dude, and he's like, yeah, man, whatever. It's cool. My brother's kind of a dope. I get it. <laughs> and um, so we decide that it's going to be the Diamond City Kings, and it's going to be Turner and Brad with the tag belts, and then Turner can't make it. So Kevin's driving down with me, and Ashley, my Ashley, and um, Rebecca, and our friend Jesse from the Poconos just like jumped in the car and came with us because yeah. 
Re- Rebecca lived around the corner from him, and he wanted to come check out the show. So he rode down with us. And, like, hey, Kev, uh, we got to talk about this real quick. <laughs> um, I-, I-, I need you to wrestle tonight because Drew's not coming. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then um, we had the pleasure of telling Richie that they were losing the tag belts. Which after whole thing, he, yeah. After he started to like dictate what the match was going to be, and we're like, um, here's the thing. No, <laughs> um, you're actually not doing all of that. You're you're losing, and he freaks out because his family's watching on pay per view, and he's yelling <laughs> at us. <laughs> and like he is having an actual temper tantrum in the locker room. Yeah. So the match is what it is. My favorite part of this entire thing, we we pacify Richie by having him taken out by the Floyd family. With the greatest shot from a weapon ever. Go ahead, Matt. It was a wet floor sign. He sold it like he shot in the face. And on commentary, Decker said, and I quote, he hit him with the hardest piece of plastic we could find, as though Decker was in on it, too. <laughs> oh, my God, it's hilarious. He, um, it, during their entrance, the fourth man came out during the entrance and hit Richard with the sign, and he stayed down for ten minutes. <laughs> From from a plastic wet floor sign. He got up, took the hot tag, and then ate our finish. He ate, he got bumped with a wet floor sign, took a 10-minute nap, and then came in the ring and took a DVD, and that was it. Because his family couldn't watch him lose on pay-per-view. Talk to you, son. You've lost pay-per-view. It's not real. You're not an actual champion. It is literally a prop. <laughs> he hit him with the hardest piece of plastic we could find. I love Decker. So good. All right, so we've covered a lot so far, but we still have a whole lot more to get to. So at this point, I think we're going to take a break and come back in two weeks for the second part of the Diamond City War Machines interview here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Tune in then. We are the glory boys. 